Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. We are back after the Origin Series was wrapped up by the New South Wales Blues and obviously the wrap round on the weekend. Big weekend of uh, games there, particularly the Pacific Test. Plenty of atmosphere out there at Campbelltown. The historic Denver Test between the uh, New Zealand side and the English and obviously the other historic clash that happened on Friday night being the women's state of origin out at North Sydney Oval, which was an absolute cracker. So all round, uh, representative round I thought went pretty well. It was, yeah, it was good. Uh, new concept, but it was exciting and... I thought it worked well. 100% on that. Uh, the set of six, most of the points that we probably would have had given the short week will be involved in game reviews, talking about some of those games. Uh, there's obviously been some player signings and other bits and pieces that have happened, so I'm assuming that most of that's going to come up in our fan questions and obviously in gossip stuff later on, so we'll give that a miss this week, Boxhead. Our six uh, points of Rome with a set of six. Power rankings, obviously, a non-factor as well, sent as uh, every club has had the weekend off, so I think we should just jump straight into the biggest game of all on the weekend, State of Origin 2, with New South Wales wrapping up the series 18-14 to 14 here in Sydney. And uh, I think pretty similar to game one, it was a story of I thought Queensland honestly had the better of the game. I thought they were more dominant. Uh, I thought they had more chances inside 20, but New South Wales for the first time in a long time showed some resilience, defended their line and won those big moments again, similar to what they did in game one. Yeah, that Queensland were the better side for the majority of the game, but New South Wales were the better side in the big moments. Simple as that. And that's happened in both games, I think. I, I think New South Wales are a better team in game one overall, but I, I walked away from the other night thinking that's a game that uh, we've lost for the last 10 years, definitely. While Queensland have dominated New South Wales, that's a game New South Wales would have found a way to lose. Uh, and... It was extraordinary for him to have someone in the bin for 10 minutes and still win that game. Don't get me wrong, there was, there was elements of that were fell back on poor options and poor play from Queensland, but you've got to give credit to the New South Wales players and they def- defended sensationally for that 10-minute period to hold on and, and win the series at home, which was uh, a good thing and we've been long-suffering, long but um, I feel like that was, a, that was probably a genuine series win, whereas last time it probably wasn't because they had Cronk out and there were a few factors and it was a bit of an ugly series win. So, no, a good feeling to be a New South Wales fan, but Queensland weren't far away. Man, they're, they're just never dead. Well, I think the big thing we can all sum up, and it's probably been said to death, but if Cameron Smith in particular plays... Yeah, even, but he's retired. I get that, but even if so, he, he's moved on, it is a new era, and I said this before the series started, there's Technically, 21 players basically on debut because they blooded eight last year, of which it only played one or two of the series games. So they're all rookies, and we blooded 11. So it is a completely new era. 
Yeah, it's but, like bitching about that we didn't have Andrew Johns or we didn't have Brad Fittler yeah. or we didn't have... Like, it's a stupid argument, right? Anyone complaining or saying that, you know, what if Cameron Smith... Well, he wasn't. Simple he did, as that. He's retired. He wasn't there. Thurston's moved on. Cronk's moved on. They've all so, passed Get over, over it. So, Move on. I think looking at this one, though, the first half, the first 20 minutes, it was all Queensland. Yeah, it was all Billy Slater, I he, thought. He absolutely tore us apart on the edges. I thought yardage, again, was an area for us that was quite poor. They bashed us in yardage. They got up on us. Set finishes on the back of poor yardage, obviously. We didn't have a lot of supports with our middles. We had a slow ruck. Cook wasn't really a factor in attack. Tedesco was kept out of things. And uh, our edge defense in game one, we thought that was something that could have been exposed. Game two, we started off ultra-passive. A few times we'd come up and held. You obviously had Tedesco... Oh, sorry, Trebojevic dodge a bullet early on. He came in, knocked the ball down. Then later on, had his pants pulled down. And we had people around us at the game blaming James Roberts by more so, I guess, not being fans of James Roberts when... Tom Trevojevic had charged into his back pocket and just left Val Holmes wide open. A lot of that, like you said, come off Billy Slater, playing to both sides of the field. Then he exposed them on the right when Gagai scored that try that was given to be a no try. I went back and looked at that a few times. Honestly, I still think, given the evidence, that was hard to overturn. Yeah, I I, agree. I went back I and watched it and thought they... They, well, they I, sent it up try. I, there no, wasn't yeah. conclusive evidence to overturn no. that, so I think that's a call they got wrong. I think that was a bit harsh. New South Wales are very lucky. You give that back to them, but also take into account, again, the amount of chances they did have. They should have scored four or five times in the first half. They absolutely tore the edges apart, and Adokar and Latrell were just as guilty of coming in, then holding, and then sliding off, and Adokar got away with it somewhat that first time because he has the speed to kind of backtrack and release, but that first 20 minutes, our edges were there for the taking and they were playing out wide with a purpose to get to those edges. Like well, you said. coming up and sliding while the ball was on our inside, it's just a, it's a recipe for disaster defensively. Very, very poor. Uh, the first try, well, we dodged a bullet with the Gagai, no try. We then dodged a bullet, Trebojevic knocked the ball down and then in a 3v3 situation, Trebojevic came in. Left, right. There was just yeah. no, there wasn't a lot of communication um, at all by the New South Wales defence in the first half. And it wasn't really until we lost a player that I felt comfortable and confident in the way that we were defending because we then decided to come up, be proactive, land on the pass, defend our inside shoulder and be aggressive getting off the line. Both both games this series, I think our defence, particularly on the edges, has been ordinary. It has been ordinary. And I think the conditions have played a part in the fact that Queensland haven't been able to execute because of slippery decks and uh, you know obviously night football. It just hasn't been conducive to moving the ball to the sidelines. And New South Wales tried that as well. And how many times have we seen Gagai either get dragged out or almost get dragged out? The conditions there were slippery. They weren't as slippery as usual. Uh, I'd agree with Brad Fittler on his comments around that the surface had more grass on it and it wasn't as slippery. But it was very easy to see early in the game. We pointed it out to each other sitting live at the game, the dew that was sitting on the ground. You could see heavy. foot. You could see footprints on, on the turf. Yeah. So, But we dodged plenty of bullets early. But I think the simple things that we pointed out, your Barry Basics, too many one-out carries. We didn't change the point of attack in yardage like we'd spoken of to try and get them away from our ruck and be able to gang tackle us and slow us down. Yeah, and, and that's happened in both games. With, with no play the ball speed and no one pushing around the football, it's just so easy to get picked off and put on your back. And that seemed to be the theme for almost 25 minutes. But the crazy part about it is despite everything they threw at us, and again, Slater, absolutely exceptional, 35 after six weeks off. I uh, thought Inglis had another big game and, and their yardage from their outside backs, Holmes, Gagai, As I keep et saying, but 35 is just a number. I don't know, no, it's just a number. It's but just he's a he's number. an exceptional footballer, but it just it, it's amazing to me as well when I went back and watched it that within that 25 minutes, not only were we poor in that sense, but we actually had a couple of really good set finishes and we gave piggyback straight away in the back of them. So anytime we seem to have got our foot back in, 
we gave away a poor penalty and marched them back downfield. But in the first twenty-five, you're talking. Twenty, yeah. I think it was about the twenty-third, twenty-fourth minute. We got one off Will Chambers, who I thought had a Barry Crocker of a night to relieve us when game. we were on the ropes. We were cooked right then and there at a point where we could have been in big trouble. We marched down the end of the field off that repeat set. James Maloney throws a specky across four Queenslanders' faces, and at that point again, if that goes the other way, sixteen nil down on the ropes. But Addo Carr snags that ball somehow, manages to get back inside three. And then on the back of that play, we get a good set, a fifth tackle penalty, obviously find that penalty try and get ourselves within a five-minute period of being absolutely looking like dead and buried and blown out of the water, 12-10 in front. And we've already seen a lot of people complaining and whinging about anyone that thinks that wasn't a penalty try, well, then the other result is 10 minutes in the bin. And at the time, that's what we were calling for. There's no guarantee we score, but honestly... In I, that- think you should, I think you should get a choice. I, I, I would have rather the 10 minutes. Or... They've got to say it's both. It's a penalty try and a professional foul because... I would have taken the 10. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I but, agree. And, and look, I think to the letter of the law, the referee's got both of those calls right. I thought they were so right. So I'm not criticising the referees, but I think there's a fault within the rules there. Yeah, but two bounces, anyone that thinks he wasn't getting that, and again, if you're being biased, just, you know... No, but no, it's ridiculous. There's two the bounces. Only, the only way he that he through. doesn't score there is if he that goes it. dead. Or he drops it. And it's not going to happen, basically. like, that. And that's the thing. Everyone says, oh, it's going to be 100%. It never is 100% because there's room for error in life in every single situation. There is going to be one time where you would drop that ball. But there was two clear bounces. He was past Chambers. He was bumped. The same thing happened later on in the game. But obviously, at that moment, I, I don't see you could see it any other way. And I've seen a couple of posts from some people. But even your own players, your own you know, fans have accepted it. Thurston, Cronk, everyone's come out, said it was the right call. Lockyer, etc. I don't even so know why we're, I don't know why people are banging I don't on know about why it. We're the gag, I think. I'm, yeah, but I'm just saying. The gag, I think, I'm more than happy to say that I think in that sense they're hard done by. But the penalty try. The gag, one was the wrong call. Any complaints about that? I've got no idea. But within that just simple five minute period, all of a sudden we're back on top. And two times in this series again, we've been down and found a way back in, which is not a trait we've had in the past. Hmm. Um, and I think on the back of that, a big thing was probably the interchanges that came on the field. When Jake Trebojevic and Vaughny got on this time around, Jake was obviously exceptional in game one, but I thought Vaughny much more confident in his second stint. Had a couple of good carries. DeBellin, uh, I think, again, defense-wise, and just the way he played was exceptional. And Boyd Cordner had an absolute wow of a game. But to get 12-10 after that period, it was looking pretty good going at halftime. Then Clemmer, after that 35-minute steering, we, we wanted him off at about the 30-minute mark. Looked a bit weary. He threw that hand grenade on the ground. Yep. And for the last couple of minutes, it was on again. They went after Tom. He just held on a couple of times. We had to scramble on the other edge on Roberts' side of the field. And we were very lucky not to be scored on uh, just before halftime. But halftime sitting there at 12-10, I was blown away much like you, thinking Queensland have had all the control. Great yardage starts from them. Chances, four or five tries they possibly could have been up. New South Wales, no play the ball speed, poor yardage. You know, errors and discipline kept us with a few times. We had decent set finishes, and somehow we find ourselves ahead. Absolute craziness. Yeah, the halftime score flattered us. Yeah, the edge you were talking about before is Mitchell's edge yeah. because Roberts and Trebojevic were on the same edge. But yeah. And Mitchell and uh, Addo Carr, they had some shots come down their side as well. But yeah, it's just poor errors at the, yeah. the, the wrong time. Like, and it, it continued all the way into the second half as well. We just tried to shoot ourselves in the foot as often as we possibly could, but somehow found a way to win. So. Yeah. It was a very Queensland-like performance from New South Wales. And the first half, like for us to go in 12-10, was ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, I, I put up a post saying I hope Freddie's got a sprain him because yeah, we needed. A- I would have gone off my brain about that first half. It was, it, was, it was really, really poor. Well, I've watched that again afterwards. I'm sure you did as well. Watching him at halftime was great. 
and Andrew Johns was in there and they had a camera in the room and I thought he was fantastic. He addressed everything. He wasn't overly aggressive, but he certainly got his point across and you could hear him talking about supports. No one pushed around the football. Why aren't we using the ball more? And you know, He's doing exactly that, changing the point of attack. And I thought the second half, we were very positive early on and early on, we both almost burnt one another. We had an early shift to Luttrell. Addo Carr just gets outside Will Chambers and he holds on by a bootlace. Yeah. Billy Slater weaves between a couple of blokes a couple minutes later and almost sends Holmes the other way. It was an exceptional game of football, and with us actually moving the ball, having some supports around the middle of the ruck and actually trying to do something, Cook finally got himself into the game a bit more, and he got a few runs early in that second half. But Yeah, uh, I didn't think either hooker really had a massive impact on the game. The critical moment, again, five minutes in after going a bit end-to-end, his two Dragons teammates, Jack DeBellin and Vaughn, absolutely fouled Ben Hunt. He spills the football, and as all our points came off repeat sets or back-to-back sets, we have an Awful set inside 20. There's nothing going on with our halves. No kind of control. We get a repeat set because Callum Ponga sticks a foot out. And then of the back of James Maloney, almost going through James Tedesco, who I thought, again, quietly went about his business, was exceptional in this game. Sums up the short side. Gets Latrell another one-on-one with Will Chambers, who he's just, in my opinion, absolutely owned in the first two games. And 18-10 at that point in time, I'm still scratching my head going, I still can't believe the turnaround from where we started and how I feel Queensland have had it all over us. But, yeah. Uh, James Tedesco. Uh, I think, again, not as flashy a performance, but all the clean-up no, work the other night. Pretty close. All the bits and pieces as far as the conditions, cleaning up the football, pushing up, supports, defence, cover tackles. It, it was great again the other night without a lot of praise being given for those that don't probably watch closely a lot of the stuff. Well, I had him second best on ground behind. I thought he was great too. I'm, I'm 100% for with New you South Wales, yeah. on that side of things. But 18-10. Uh, Tom, again, almost gets burned. I think Billy Slater throws a nice cutout pass there, and he came in looking for absolutely nothing. So the edges, I thought, were a little more aggressive early on in the second half, but there's still an error there with counting numbers or holding off. And we probably got a little bit too pass-happy for a period there after starting off positive. We started to go a bit sideways and play with the sidelines. And, uh, you know, edges showed that aggression that I spoke about when Luttrell came up and jammed Munster, doing exactly what you want, coming up in and actually trying to make some sort of decision. But... Queensland, I think, second half, it comes down to what we said again. Control, inside 20s, errors. There were some poor kicks, and Will Chambers in particular in this game, <clears throat> he kicked early a few times. He was penalised a couple of times. I think he's had a terrible series for someone who's considered close to, if not one of the best centres or the premier centre in the game. He was the best centre in the game. I don't think it's been a real good year in general for him, but in yeah. particular in origin, uh, I think he yeah, he's been terrible. The end of last year, he's the best centre in the world, definitely. But just discipline-wise. And the early kicks, and I, again, I don't want to harp back on it, but if that spine is still there that is there, I don't think he plays with such free will or such ill discipline. But hmm. um, I just, yeah, I was kind of blown away thinking that he'd have a, a real big game. But we defended on our line stoutly again, as we did in game one. They had a bit of an early error there when we dropped the football and they had it, and then they dropped it, I think, second play. Or, no, sorry, they threw a forward pass, second play again, and just another element of panic or enough control coming from their key players when they've had opportunities inside 20. But on the back of that, we didn't help ourselves with Latrell Mitchell as much as a hero he was looking to be. Uh, that tip off the tap was absolute insanity, even if there was half a chance. At that point in time when you've defended back-to-back sec- uh, sets on your own line, it's not the time to be trying to tip the ball on. No. And then he's fired that up with coming in into James Maloney's back pocket and leaving the room for Will Chambers to score that try because Adokar obviously had to follow him in. And then we get a good set on the back of that after being under the pump and he throws that no-look flip pass. I've heard some people argue that Addo Carl was a little bit in front of the ball, but he didn't even look before he threw that ball. Mm. That's a critical set after being under the gun for a couple of minutes. 
I know they didn't want to Danny's confidence and Freddie said he didn't send send down any message, but it just wasn't needed at the time. And I know he's only twenty years old and he was exceptional again, but he could have very much gone from hero to villain very quickly in that game, given those two moments. Yeah, I agree. But uh yeah, I think on the back of that, eighteen fourteen, we're holding on. You're doing everything you absolutely can. I thought it was all over when Callum Ponga went through, and he was exceptional. I did not think he'd play the role that he was going to play, but coming on for 60 minutes, defending in the middle, getting his hands on the football, linking up with Billy Slater, he looked dangerous a couple of times. But the move he put on, the inside-outside trail, left and right footwork, he left Boyd Cordner in a spin, and then James Maloney didn't come on his inside shoulder. I honestly thought he was gone, but James Tedesco's cover tackle on him was an absolute perler. And the, uh, probably the small thing, and I... You know, maybe just me, but over the past couple of years, I'd look around and I guarantee you a moment like that in any other games, we would not have had all our players back on side. We would have well, been lazy. Yeah. We had a poor we attitude. Have, we didn't have everyone back on I side. I watched that. We were all back. We yeah. were all back. We all scrambled. We all made the effort to get there. They put in that kick, obviously. It wasn't obviously. as long of a run as what you thought. I think it was about a 30, 35-meter run. Well, I think run he had from to half, angle. Halfway. He, had and he got tackled about five meters out. So It led to the sin bin. And we gave away, gave away a penalty on the back of that line break, I'm pretty sure, didn't we? Or it was not? the sin bin. Next play, Hunt puts the kick in. Yeah, okay. he get, Cooper gets knocked over. But I just thought it but was, was a, there not a not a penalty at the play the ball. No, think Ado Car. I'm pretty sure that was it. Wasn't might a penalty. Been, it it was, been a that was the sin bin. But yeah, well, the sin bin was right as well. Yeah, the so sin bin. The, the tackle right. on the tackle on Ponga was a cracker. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But he had the angle on him. I think if Ponga had sort of gone gone the angle he did and then come back under towards the post, it would have been interesting to see whether Tedesco could have kept his feet. And made the tackle, but uh, Caelan Ponga was, yeah, outstanding in this game. Yeah, and then on the back of that, I watched that 10-minute period what we had without it. The Simbin was the right call because you couldn't definitely say that Queensland were going to score because no, Trebojevic pretty took much... took him out. It was a dumb play by Roberts. I, I, I've looked at the play a few times and I don't see how Trebojevic doesn't get the ball. He gets out as well. That's the other thing, I reckon. So, I mean, if he doesn't get out, they get oh, that Cooper repeat, might so. have got him and, and, and got him into the end goal, yeah. but we're still... You know, we've got 13 men on the field. Yeah, it's a negative play. And it hurt us. Well, you would have thought it would have hurt us, but this is probably the crunch time of the game that we speak about. And the sets after that are third play. Ben Hunt puts in a kick yeah. for a seven-tackle set. The next one is a fourth-tackle play where they go down a short side and Throw Nathan side Cleary, line. again, as we wrapped in the game on, his defense for a half is exceptional as it is, but his inside work and then releasing to help his outside men, that cover tackle on Valentine Holmes is absolutely outstanding. Yeah. But they turn the football over again by throwing it back inside. Will Chambers has that brain snap, gives us the penalty, gives us a chance to waste clock. Three plays again, they turn the football over. Will Chambers again, seven tackle set when he puts that grubber in off that shift from Billy Slater. And the last chance they had was the fourth play down the short side. And Tedesco covers up by obviously catching that kick back on the inside from home. So at that moment in time, 13 on 12, you're asking questions as to why aren't they taking more shots in a set? There's too many settlers. Where is Hunt and Munster in particular? And this is the other thing I don't get. I feel sorry for Ben Hunt and feel like he's getting the Mitchell Pearce treatment that he got for all these years. That's all his fault. How anyone can put all the blame on Ben Hunt is beyond me. I don't think he had that bad of a game compared to what everyone's making it out. I think he had a horrendous game. Oh. But I wouldn't drop him. If you tell a man that Ash him. Taylor is a more complete player at this I'm not point saying in time... That. I'm no. saying that ben, ha- ben Hunt had a shocker. I'm just saying that had opinion, an absolute shocker. People are bringing up You Ash look Taylor. at what he's doing at club footy um, and... What, he, what he's done in the opening two origins hasn't been anywhere near that. Now, that's got as much to do with Ben Hunt, I think, as it does with the rest of the players, the rest of the spine, the help that he's getting. Uh, the fact that I think for you know the majority 
of the series, the Blues forwards have uh, held on with Queensland's forwards. So he hasn't been playing on the back of a quick play of the ball. Any field position they've got, they've thrown it away. Yeah. Any big moment, we've sort of won it. So, oh, I, I, yeah, Ash Taylor, I, I'm a Titans fan. He's still two years away at least from origin. Oh, I don't know whether he'll ever play origin. If he if he stays the way well, and play, keeps him, playing, so. if he keeps playing the way he's playing now and doesn't develop, because I don't think he's developed a lot in the last 12 months, to be fair. Well, we've said it before. He, he won't play Origin. I think he's an inside 20 player. That's it. I don't think he plays well, tough. Well, Cooper Cronk said that on the big league wrap on Monday night. He said he's very, very good inside 20, but outside of that, he's got a heap to work on. And we've, we've been saying that for two years. Well, we've seen it. And I, I don't so, like to call players on things, but I've seen games where you guys are behind or down and he suddenly gets a small niggle or an injury and he's off the field and he's yeah. got the scowling he's, he's face. A kid. He's a kid. That, so I'm not going to ride him no. because he's a kid. And he's but super talented. He's not, he's not Ben Hunt. No. If someone, if you said to me, could I at the Titans this year? Could you have either Ben Hunt or Ash Taylor? I would, you'd want Ben Hunt. But I also stick the, the up. player, the player that's got to go in. If it's not Ben Hunt, is Daly Cherry Evans. But it looks like he's been red penned, and I don't think his form's good enough either. No. So you've got to stick with Ben Hunt. But I go up Simple from this angle that. again. Queensland, like, all this time it's been, oh, you guys are never low. You don't pick and stick this and that. You've just lost the well, best this is the spine. Shit in that. Yeah, this is the best spine. Now they're wanting to punch. We've probably ever seen and played for Australia for over a decade and for your state. They've played that much football together. They knew each other inside out. You've got a completely brand new spine, different kinds of players. It's not going to gel overnight. And the other big factor we said before this series, McCulloch's done a great job. People are ripping on him. He's not Cameron Smith, and no one ever will be. So that dummy half kick, the short kicking game, and the manipulation around there, and the extra player was taken away or automatically puts more pressure on a new pair of halves. Then you've got Munster, who's a developing six, who's more a ball runner than a ball player. I thought he's had a good series all round, but he's not really working with Ben Hunt so much. He gets the ball. It's either short runner or he runs himself. There's not a whole lot else going on. So Slater was very helpful in this game on the edges, but I feel that everything has been on Ben Hunt. And I know they said you've got to own it, etc. but it's a completely new spine and they're two games in. I don't know how you can abandon it so quickly. I also think Billy Slater's their best player. Billy Slater is Queensland's best player. But he is also causing issues in terms of the makeup of that team. If Billy goes out and Michael Morgan's fit, I think next year they're going to be a lot more settled in their key positions. Well, I'm, so Homer will go straight to one. Yeah, uh, Morgan, Morgan will be seven. Morgan will be, well, I think Morgan will be the 14. I'd have Hunter as my seven, Munster as my six, McCulloch as my nine, Ponger as my one, and away you go. Well, I looked at this after. So I, Hunt can't be the 14. Hunt's either your seven or you don't pick him. Nah, I think the way they've used him as a nine. He's not a nine. Well, I think he's When's come the last on. time he played nine? Yonks. Back, back in the last Yonks year. and Yonks and Yonks, yeah. Because he knew, Bennett knew that he was going. Well, they picked him for Australia as well to no. play that kind of role. I'm looking at it next year, and I think if Morgan play, he's given the responsibility and is healthy, he's going to get that. Morgan's your forward. Hernia fixed up. He's obviously going to be back to full health as well as the bicep injury. Pong is your fullback. The back four would be the same for me as they've had now. Munster and Morgan, Napa, McCulloch. But, Mun- but Munster, uh, Morgan's not a seven. Morgan's a six. Well, I think so when he played there sixes. last year, I had no problem with it. Well, they play both sides of the field anyway. What's the difference? The, the difference he shows that he can kick, the, control the team and do the I don't job. think he can. Well, they made a grand final, so. They did. They didn't win it. They I got f- towed up. Yeah, well, Melbourne. And that was a four-game snapshot. No. That was more than four Don't games. It. it was four games. They were playing like dog shit. Well, he wasn't playing like dog shit. He was playing good on that running as well. So no. I, I, I don't know. I'm looking at that and I'm saying the fact that if you get not much out of McCulloch, you're going to get a bit out of Hunt from dummy half. He showed you can attack from there, run a bit more. I'd push Maguire into the front row next year because I think they're a bit light on. I think Jared Wallace probably loses that job. With Gillette back, you've got him and Felice Cafusi. Arrow would take that lock spot. I thought he had a great stint last night. Oh, sorry, not last night. On Friday night. 
And on the bench, obviously, you got Hunt as that utility. Off of Hengawi, I thought should have been in this series. Glasby and Papali. Yeah. So I'm, I think moving I'm not forward. I'm looking at next year. I'll look at game three, see what they do in game three. But but in summing this up, again, felt like they're the more dominant team. Inside 20. Yeah. Brand they, new spine. They didn't win the key moments. Yeah. Blues did. Bit disjointed. Game over. Goal line defense, very, very good. But uh, Billy Slater, like you said, thought he had an exceptional game. Greg Inglis, I thought, had another good game as well. Greg Inglis leading from the front. Uh, I think the outside backs for them, as usual, meters, I yardage. Was just quiet. Really oh, quiet. I, I thought he was busy, to be honest. But Busy? Yeah. yeah. I thought their outside backs were their most dangerous players. Their yardage no, and set starts were very good I again. I thought Roberts did a really good job on, on Inglis. But Arrow, uh, off the bench at the end there, made a big difference. Yeah, again, he didn't get, he didn't get as much game time as what enough, he should have. But he made an impact when I he got I thought Dylan Napa was their best forward by an absolute mile. I, I cannot believe that Dylan Napa played in that game. On the Friday night, he couldn't walk. No. Against Penrith, and he and I last on last week's show I said he will not play. I I cannot see him playing, and I have no idea. He must have rehabbed the shit out of that ankle. They said he did, only slept. About. That is unbelievable that he played in that game. Mm. So it's an absolute credit to him that he got on the field, and it's an absolute credit to him that he uh, he was the best outside Boyd Cordner. I thought he was close to the best forward on the field. Him, I thought Napa, Trebojevic, and Cordner were the best three forwards on the field by an absolute country mile. I thought Jack DeBellin had a good game considering yeah. his middle. Yeah, but he it, also he he was he was a victim to the interchanges as well. Like he, anytime he sort of got some momentum on the field, like Freddie would bring him off. So, well, look at yeah, that. he did some did some good things. But Dylan Napa, like he he absolutely hammered Boyd Cordner a few times. Boyd Cordner went after him too. It, it was, was great. Good, but... It was, but I just Dylan Napa was unbelievable. Yeah. For New South Wales, Boyd Cordner, though, that yardage work, the D work, just leading from the front. He certainly took on board uh, the comments. He just does the shit jobs. Before him getting picked for that. And I think that proves, again, club football, rep football are different beasts at times, and he is certainly a rep football player. He lives for that arena. James Maloney had a pretty good game. Uh, fifth tackle options and some of the direction lacking a little bit, but he iced things. He kicked about a lot much better this time around as far as his goal kicking. Set up a couple kicking, of those tries. Yeah. I think play t- kicking was, again, steady. I thought some of his options weren't great, but... Tedesco to me, mate, again... If, if we don't win that game, I think there's there'd be a little bit set about James Maloney, to be fair. Yeah, well, but definitely. won, so... I thought Tedesco, again, like I said, lots of the clean-up work, everything, pushed around the ruck, some of his yeah, tackles. If I'm, if I'm picking the best three players for New South Wales, for me, it was Cordner, Tedesco, and Jake Trebojevic yeah. by more. I thought Jake and Jack, when they're on the field together and we played them in the middle, made our... Ruck speed and our whole situation so much better because we have the threat of two players that can tip the football on it. It made Cook a lot more dangerous around the ruck. I think Jake Chaboyevich is our best ball player. He is our best ball player, or close to. And then I think having him and Jack in the middle, though, with Frizzell gives us so much flexibility, mobility, footwork, speed, and the threat to tip. At that point when they were all together in there, I was a big fan. We questioned the interchanges at times. I had a look at one of the ones we were worried about was a HIA, which we obviously didn't pick up or you didn't hear in your sports ears. At the back end of the game, the double change, I think Pry only just went back on. Just on that. Anyone he, from sports here is listening. Absolute dog shit. Like Those, they, 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 just, they, last, they last maybe six or six, well, probably five to ten uses of them, and they're fucked. There Could charge go. 80 bucks for them. Sports so anyone is, from sports here is listening, sort it out. fucking charge me $80 for them. When I go and buy them, they go, well, there's no warranty on them. Like, you're charging $80. Yeah. Gee up. Anyway, yeah, I had to turn it off at half time because the reception in the stadium, and we're sitting right below where the... Where the coach's box, uh, right above where the coach's box is. Don't tell me we can't get reception in there. Shit me to tears. Anyway, yeah, I, well, we had to turn it off. Yeah. So we were we were non. Well, one, one of the uh, one of the interchanges for it. we were confused about. But when Debellin went back on with five minutes to go, that was a HIA for Frizzell. He obviously passed at half time. 
So that made a little more sense because at the time I was confused what Freddie was doing. The late change for prior... Well, we thought it was Crichton that had the HIA. No, nah, it was Frizzell. That, well, no, that's what I'm saying. We yeah, thought yeah. that at the ground. Yeah. So, so but yeah, it was Frizzell and that made more sense. But I thought, again, at the back end, we had one more up our sleeve. I thought he was going to give Pryor a run, then maybe put Vaughny back on because I thought his stint was good. Uh, on the flip side of that, I looked at when Peachy went on with Frizzell on the back end there and he took Pryor straight off along with DeBellin saying he wanted blokes a little more flexible. I honestly have more faith in a prior or a DeBellin being on than Peach at that point in time, to be honest. Not saying that Peach. No, I understand why you put Peach on. I get it for mobility Fresh reasons, but I still mobile. think that tackle technique compared to those couple of guys. And Pryor's only no. been on for five minutes. Pryor's also slower. I, I would have wanted a faster man. I agree with what he did. But end of the day, Cordner, Maloney, Tedesco, Jake, DeBellin, there's a couple of guys there I thought were good. Queensland had all come from the back line, basically. There wasn't a whole Slater lot. Slater and Ponga were the best two players on the field yeah. by a country mile for Exceptional Queensland. Exceptional debut. And their best forward was uh, Dylan Napa by mile. Oh, again, I think Arrows only should have been used more effectively, but his stint was good. His stint was stint very was good. good. He whacked a few blokes. He forced an area. He had an offload. He, he's a very good footballer. But, but Kevin Walters get him on the field earlier. Game three. Uh, as far as changes are concerned, I was going to bring up that topic, and we've already mentioned it. Ash Taylor's been called for. Hodges has slammed Ben Hunt. There's a couple other guys that have talked about Ben Hunt. If they honestly think, and I'm, we're more of the opinion, obviously, of what Cronk and a few others have said, and we've mentioned it before, a bloke that dominates inside 20 and has a nice short kicking game at club but goes missing when things are critical, doesn't guide his team around, uh, isn't someone who dictates things all the time, and just general play or, or being tough for that level. I've seen games where, obviously, things get a little bit tough, and I think he's found a way to kind of err away from the game or kind of slide out of it. Ash Taylor, for me right now, is a very, very good footballer, super talented. But on a consistency basis and what he's doing, there's no way I'm replacing him with Ben Hunt after two games of just losing the most successful spine and some of the best players we've ever seen. But uh, as far as changes are concerned, I think Jared Wallace is certainly out of this side. I thought Joe Offerhengawi should have been in for him. I know Glasby was also in there. Either or either, I'd be happy either way. But Offerhand Gow is younger. He's more dynamic. He brings something along like Napa where he can bend the line back and has a bit of footwork and play good minutes. I think he has to be in this side. I don't care if that means Maguire has to go to the front row, which I wanted before this series, an arrow to lock to get Offerhand Gow on the bench. But I also think Cooper, why he was pretty solid defensive the other night, you move on. So they're the two changes I made. Cooper's out for me, definitely. Cooper and Wallace for me are out. Ben Hunt. You can't drop Ben Hunt. No. That's ridiculous. Cooper Ash and... Taylor, hell no. Get your team to the top eight. How about that? Cooper and Wallace are out for my next game. I'm starting. Who, with... Who's you bringing in? Off I bring Angawi. a Papali into the back row. Off Angau is coming onto the bench. Maguire's moving to play in the front row because I need someone who can do better minutes and give me yeah. meters in there. And I'm putting Arrow. Wallace, lock. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be uh, disappointed if they kept Wallace. Wallace. But you can't they drop him. The bench. If they drop him or they start or they keep him, I'm, I'm a bit 50-50 on him. Two for starts. me, the sample size isn't big enough for Wallace. But two starts, he's been poor. He hasn't got back on the field. If he's not part of your rotation, I want Maguire, who I'm going to get more yeah, minutes Yeah, that's fine. If with that's Napa. the case. But yeah, I'm sort of like... Well, I'm looking at it from that perspective and going, if I want something... You're probably not using him correctly either, so... Yeah. Well, Hess off the bench, didn't get a lot of minutes. Arrow, I think, starting, move forward. You've lost the series. Get those guys more Arrow minutes. was probably punished by... For the fact that Ponga went well while he was on there. I get that as so well, but I thought his on. 20 minutes was better than most of the forwards were on the field. So. Yeah, I agree with that. Get Maguire into the front row with Napa, replace Cooper because he's not going to be there next year with Papali in the back row. I would have played him. a little bit smaller, just play Arrow in the front row with Ponga and, and Napa. Off Angawi or Glasby would definitely find their way in. I think both of them, if I had it my way, and those two would be out of the side mm. in game three in Wallace and Glasby. For New South Wales, I doubt they're going to make any changes, but if. I think they will. Frizzell's got. Played busted and been needed a lot. I'd be surprised up. if James Roberts plays the next game. 
Well, I'm sitting here looking at two guys and thinking if Boyd Corden is banged up, he barely had a preseason, had a bad knee, started off, had the head knock. Big season for his club. Tyson Frizzell was playing needled constantly. He's got the weekend off this weekend. I'd go to those two guys and say, Boyd, appreciate what you... absolutely no way that Boyd Corden is not going to play. I bet he wouldn't. But I'm sitting here going, well, Tarek Sims and Ryan James are both unlucky. I don't know if they'd make a change for those two to play. But I think Matt Pryor may even lose his spot to Ryan James for Game 3 purely because he did a job for us there. Game three is a write-off. It's going to Queensland. I think James might be rewarded, but I think Sims might be luckily rewarded as well. Maybe I'm just having wishful thinking. But I think you're having wishful thinking. I'd like to see both those guys get a game somehow, but Origin Series wrapped up. Uh, yeah, a couple of changes I think for Queensland. New South Wales, maybe not so much, but there you go. Origin 2 review. So moving on from the Origin Series, before we jump in and review the other games from the rep round, we obviously have to give a plug to some of our sponsors. The first one being the Penrith Soul Centre. They say defense is the best offense. So what defense have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Center is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC are devoted to giving you control of your power bills back. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs. It may be the difference between good or great seats this year at the 2018 NRL Grand Final. Contact the team today at Penrith Solar Centre on 1800 2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. www.penrithsolar.com.au. The Facebook page is the same there. Get on to Jake and the boys at Penrith Solar Centre. But the rep round, Brock, very successful. And the game uh, on Friday night at North Sydney Oval, the women's origin was absolutely outstanding. It was something special to witness. I wish probably could have got there, but... Timing-wise, on a Friday from work to travel. Yeah, plus, North Sydney Oval. was a bit of an issue to get there. So, unfortunately... North Sydney Oval is not accessible for people out in the West. Like, there's no... Well, clear, not when you finish at 5, 5.30. No you've got to try and get in. So. Out, out there and back, et cetera, et cetera. So. I thought it was excellent. Was um, I, any... Well, I was going to say, should, won't be too right. Luther, some dickheads out there were blowing up saying, oh, they should have to play before the men. This is wrong. They're getting their own thing. They got what it deserved. They shouldn't be playing before the men at four o'clock like the residents did the other night for the New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup thing. No TV coverage, no live stream, no one at the ground. What they got was fantastic. You've introduced it. You've put it at a, a ground in Sydney. It was the right venue for kicking something like this off. I thought the place filled out awesome. It was good to see so many young ladies there and some older women there with their kids and supporting the cause. I thought the atmosphere was outstanding and they got what they deserved. It deserves its own fixture. It deserved to be on primetime TV. It got just that and we got a hell of a game. It was great, game. I thought it was, yeah. Really physical, um, high quality. So the fact that it's high quality will mean that it's sustainable. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to say, oh, you know, get behind the girls and, you it know, make it, make it a uh, sexism debate and a political debate, but it's not about that at all. It's In the end, that's only going to be sustainable for a little while, uh, but this was anything uh, far from that. I think... The game was more entertaining than a lot of NRL games I've watched this year. And I think the big... Um, we've got a girls' program at school, so I've I've been around female rugby league for, well, at least the last four years, and they've got zero regard for their body. And that's the big um, one I was going to bring up. I think the biggest thing for me, entertainment-wise and the difference, the wrestle wasn't in their game. No. They were just trying to hunt each other down and kill each other, and there was some contact in that game that was absolutely outstanding. So my Torfa absolutely dropped... A few people. She was outstanding in the middle. A couple of the big boppers, Hancock, Walton, one of the other front rows. Some of the contact that was going on was exceptional in that game. Uh, Peter, uh, Federica, the back row for Queensland, whacked a few people. The back row was getting stuck on each other. Kezi Apps got dumped a few times. Quinn, uh, I thought it was great. But in particular, looking at that one, the atmosphere, 
outstanding. New South Wales started fast. Their left edge all night looked to be the dangerous edge. Obviously, Matty Studden, the young captain and halfback, uh, only 22, 23 years old. Sam Bremner is fantastic to watch. That's like female version of Billy Slater. She was mm, exceptional. She's lightning. Isabel Kelly. When they said that she was a comparison of Aiken, I was thinking to myself after watching her play a few of the local games the last few years, it's not a bad comparison. And she has no fear to run over anyone. But uh, that left edge was the key for them. On the Queensland side of things, I'll tell you what, Braley at nine, and I said it the week before, watch her. She's exceptional. She's a very, very smart footballer. The short side cutout pass she threw, the control she had over the game is, again, almost like a female Cameron Smith. And it was funny watching someone in a Queensland jersey uh, operate like that. And then when Brigginshaw, the halfback, who was obviously the player of the series at the World Cup for the women, threw that dummy again. Uh, those two were obviously pivotal for the Queensland side of things. But crack a game, physical all around, 10 all, and then left late for New South Wales to steal that one when Bremner drifted across field, being so dangerous all night, and Kelly crashing over there and obviously ended up being the man of the match. But mm. you couldn't have had a better... Woman of the match, mate. Yeah, women of the match, sorry. You couldn't have had things kick off any better, though. No, it was good. And I, I'd like to fixture. see it develop into a three-game series. I'd like to see it uh, before State of Origin. I would like to see it before the men's State of Origin. But... I think it's got to be still in a prime time slot. Oh, I think you can you could play 16s, 18s, 20s, three women, three men. That would be my three game for every venue, every origin venue. Well, why not put it on at you know prime time six pm? Finish have right. a half and half, and then the game finishes up about seven or just after ten past seven. Then you've still got thirty minutes or so for them to preview the game because they never kick off on time anyway. They oh, almost right. go to eight o'clock, and you got the junior game. And you've got a full coverage there. And that standalone one on the Sunday, if you move the NRL game earlier to say 6 p.m., this? then get about, that prime time, about, get the girls on at like 4. How about midday, 2 and 4? I think the, the I state, no of origin, state of origin, men's state Sunlight. of origin should be, I'd love to see them on Sunday afternoons. Daylight would be awesome. Just one. One. Just give me one. Um, and put the girls on at 2 o'clock. It'd be an awesome game. Lead it in. In to, daylight. Just like grand final day. 12, 2 and 4. Like they used to do the twilight or whatever it is. Stagger them so you can still have your half an hour pregame. I thought Jet were outstanding. That's um, yeah, they were really good. That was really really good. Yeah. So yeah, the the women. I I think people will get there for the women. Like we we get there regardless. Like we're always yeah, there, we're there the for the open. But I think people, you the, the the female, the quality of that game the other night would drag people into the venue early. And like you said, I think the skill across the board when you look at things and go this. When we talked about the other, you don't want to rush things, but I think catch pass contact. Some of the set plays, there was all the bits and pieces. They they tick all the boxes. And even when I was looking at transfer on some of the edge shift players, early catch, the hands, Isabel Kelly in particular, she had a couple of catch pass moments there. Sam Bremner, skill level is exceptional. And Maddie Studden for a 22-23 yard halfback, she's great. She's mm. an outstanding footballer. Uh, but standouts for that game for Queensland, I thought Brigginshaw and Braley. Braley in particular, the nine, I reckon she's a fantastic footballer. Ballinger, the front row, was rough as. She was great to watch. And Federica... And the winger, I thought, uh, Karina Brown, the captain, she had a good game, obviously scored the double. For New South Wales, it's easy to see why Samoma Torfa got the player of, you know, the women's player of the year last year. Mm. She was an animal. She almost made 200 metres, 30 tackles, played the whole game. Uh, Kelly was great out the centres, got man of the match. Bremner at fullback was exceptional. Studden and uh, the back row. Kezi Apps is one that most people know out of the female game, but the opposite edge and her really close friend, Talisha Quinn, I thought she was exceptional. She was in everything. So... Congratulations and kudos to the women's game. I will definitely be cheering that on. And I'm looking forward to the women's competition, obviously, at the back end of the year. The six clubs there that's going to run into the finals and coincide on grand final day for watching that side of things. So yeah. 
Um, great kickoff for that. And more importantly, again, seeing the crowd, seeing all the young faces, the young girls, knowing that there will be a pathway there now. Hopefully, everything is done right by it and it develops. And Maddie Studden losing her job before that game uh, in order to play in that series. Absolute craziness, but exceptional dedication to try and drive things forward for the women's game. Uh, second game, kicked off on Saturday, the doubleheader, Pacific Test out there, Papua New Guinea versus Fiji. Uh, this one I don't think needs a whole lot of summary. I was quite disappointed in Fiji after a very good campaign in the World Cup and Papua New Guinea, a disappointing campaign. I know Kikau and a few blokes weren't there, but plain and simple, Papua New Guinea asked them to play him through the middle of the field and get down and dirty with him, and Fiji didn't want to buy him. Papua New Guinea just got up the middle third all day. Seguiaro showed a lot of control, which generally you see him be a little bit erratic when he gets his stints at club football. But over an 80-minute period, I thought he had a great game the other night and picked his spots very, very well. But the first half, it was it was done. They pulled on par on that left edge a couple of times. Rao got over twice. The middle, there was just some awful misses. Kane Evans had a bad one. Loverdua, the young nine from the Dragons. And, and to be 26 uh, down at half time, 26 to four or whatever it was, it was absolute craziness. But... The other one that was impressive. I think it was. I, I said it last week. I couldn't believe Fiji were dollar twenty or whatever they were. It was ridiculous. Jared Hayne playing halfback. He hasn't played a good game in four or five years. I, I just think PNG will just stick in. They'll grind. They'll graft. They're all sort of the same build, same makeup, same skill set. Like I don't know. I just thought they were more impressive at the World Cup. I thought they, the price that they were was absolute craziness. So nuts. Um, you know, and the multi I, I gave you last week, back uh, PNG with a start and Tonga minus a start. Hope everyone collected. Also, well, we tipped him into PNG as well. So people are just filling up. I took the start. It was good. They should be I couldn't believe up. they were given the start 14 The last five weeks, I think, I've, I've given someone a fill up on this show. So, Rao. Well, well, the old charity bets are going good too. Yeah. Rao was good. On debut on the left edge, Justin Olam, the Storm player, moved into fullback late to replace Nana McDonald. I thought he had a great game as well. But all those blokes, like you said, are just so ruthless and consistent. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get physicality, and there was some great physicality in this game. Won that middle third. But the class of the few NRL players in their side was evident. Seguiara was great. Adrian Lamb's young bloke, he was fantastic. He's going to be a good footballer. And I looked at the metres afterwards. He didn't necessarily run or attack the line a lot, but the speed he plays with and how direct he played... The threat of him running a few times created some doubt, and I thought they were hard done by with that ball that was tapped forward by Willie Minogue to be a no try. You disagree with me there, but I look at it and think, well, you're going to jump for that ball and crash into a bloke and have no chance to score, or to avoid that contest on a head-on collision, he kind of drags that ball out of the path where two of them had a crack at it and he ends up with the football. Mm. So, um, second half, obviously things went a little bit backwards for him. They conceded a couple of points late there to Fiji, but. Uh, there wasn't many standouts for Fiji. I thought Kevin Aguama had a really good game. He was one of the only real standouts for me. And Tui Kameka Mika, the big number 13. But for the PNG side, Olam, Seguiara was great. Luke Page, as always. Rock and Rod Griffin, Reese Martin, and uh, Adrian Lamb's young but Just all around their effort and relentless in the middle third of the field. Fiji not willing to go there with them all day. Tonga Samoa, again, great game, but disappointed with the two halves. Like um, The atmosphere is ridiculous. The fans are absolutely crazy. The game was was great in the end, but I would have liked to have seen Samoa turn up in the first half and put a bit more of an effort in, a bit more resilience. And then the second half, it was the opposite way around. Samoa come out with a fire in their belly and it felt like Tonga had basically all but packed up because they're up 30 to 6 at half time. So I was a little bit disappointed in this game, considering uh, there was entertainment from both sides, but it was a bit one-sided both ways. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Tonga, similar deal, just absolutely blew them apart in the middle of the park, found some offloads. 
inside shoulder miss when Havili slipped through early on was just poor. Hingano supporting through the mirror when Tamalolo just put on footwork like an NFL running back was absolutely insanity. You shouldn't be able to move that well for a big man, but he just keeps showing us and just power and relentless. But second half for Samoa, I thought the real standouts. Tyron May, still only short back from the ACL. Thought he played quite good. And Tim Lafay was the absolute standout for them on that edge. He was quality. And he's been quality for the Dragons this year. But um, George Tafua usually plays for Tonga. I think he's got parents from both sides. He was in the opposite colours. Thought he had a really strong well, he's game. He was the first player ever to play for both. Yeah. Um, he was. Yeah, both, both nations. He was really strong as well, I thought. Plus, he's played for New Zealand as well, hasn't he, George Tafua? There you go. I think he has. I'd have to yeah, check, I'd have that to check one, it. But... One thing you've got to say for this, there was absolutely no. Lack of passion, but well, there was there was a real lack of defensive fortitude. Yeah, there was plenty of attack. That's that's what concerns me. Yeah, they can say all they want; they they'll oh. can compete with Australia. But you give a period like that to Australia, where Samoa went after Tonga mm. and found three easy tries and kind of carved them up. And late in the game, there one thing Australia definitely wouldn't do as well. And it was the critical moment for Samoa with about fifteen to go, and they had a chance to get in back into it. They had a five tackle set off a penalty, I think it was, where they had five one out carries, and then it finished with a Peter Godinay scoop. And that probably sums up the composure and the the discipline and execution that you wouldn't get against Australia. If Australia went down a couple of tries to Tonga, come rolling back like Samoa did and scored a couple of easy tries and was given a repeat set on the line, they're going to find a way to bank points or get another repeat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought this was basically what you said, pretty pretty open attacking-wise, but there wasn't a whole lot of defense and it was a half each, to be honest. So Tonga's side of things, Tamalo was exceptional. Hopawate was great at fullback as well. Adam Fenua Blake's had a huge year, he was good. Um, Tokiara on the pack in general, but the crowd always a highlight of that game. They were excellent. Yeah, absolutely insanity. New Zealand and England. Uh, you didn't have a chance to watch that obviously no, on the I've, day, I've but you've it. had a look at it now. I've but it. Uh, what were your thoughts on this game? I've heard mixed reports from a lot of people. I quite enjoyed the first half. I thought it was tripe. To be fair, I thought the second half was pretty disappointing. Mm. But I thought New Zealand kind of killed themselves in this game. They had such a fast start. They blew them off the park. Nick Arima goes through a couple of times. They were rolling. 24 offloads to seven at the end of the game. And Masters, I said at the start of the year that I thought he was going to be one of the premier centers in the comp and probably deserved that debut. I thought he was exceptional in his first game. The only, uh, well, the entertaining part for me was the goal kicking. As an ex-goal kicker, the I altitude. was loving, yeah, the altitude, the kickoffs. I was enjoying that part of it. But I thought the game was steady. I like the first half. I wasn't a big fan of the second half. I thought the fatigue kind of set in, and New Zealand in particular were ill-disciplined and pretty poor, and England took full advantage. But when you've got two guys on debut off the bench, you generally play on the outside backs in Jake Connor and Tom Makinson, making line breaks and scoring tries the way they did and just the missed tackles. I thought it was quite poor. But steady by them to come back and take control. And Elliot Whitehead had an exceptional game, but second half to sum it up, New Zealand 60% completion rate after dominating the first half. And when you have eight line breaks to four and 24 offloads to seven and you just don't capitalise, you're not going to win a game. There was a little period there where England got three quick tries and that was probably the difference in the game, really. Well, I think just for half time. Ryan Hall's try wasn't a try. But England got three yeah. consecutive tries, not New Zealand. Ryan Hall on half time dropped that ball and I thought the pass in was forward as well. Mm. Whitehead's... You reckon he dropped that ball? Yeah, 100%. Didn't you uh, see the inside angle? He dropped that ball. He dropped it 100%. And the yeah. pass to him was forward. But the real one that killed it off was Whitehead on Tamara Martin's inside shoulder in half time. Absolutely terrible. Up in no man's land, not even ball watching, just ran up to nowhere and let Whitehead slide over. Mm. You're going in after all that dominance and they'd be looking at that going 12-10, we're down. We've had all the momentum. And Jermaine Azarko and Masters obviously dropped two in the open as well. Azarko should have been caught. Masters was a bit of a poor pass from Nicarima, but they had a chance to be almost up 24-0 at one point. And the second half, like I said, ill-discipline and errors just really, really hurt him. But... 
England's halves took control of that one. They picked their spots. Tom made a, a big difference off the bench for them. And Makinson and Jake Connor, like, to come in first games, get a pair of tries each, assists, line breaks, massive meters. Um, yeah, I, I thought they really wore down in the second half. But I think there's some positives for New Zealand, blooding so many new players. Masters and a couple of those guys. Yeah, well, they're were, in a rebuilding phase on the back of pretty much what Tom has done to them. Yeah, well, Armiao as well. I oh, sorry, not Armiao. Well, you've also got Packer and Madalena who have retired to focus on club footy. Mannering's too old now. Sheck, Johnson and Harris all coming off injuries and a big year for the Warriors. Chose not to go over. Bromwich injured. Proctor didn't go either. So there's still some players there to be brought back in. Mm. But I think the effort of some of their players who went over on debut, particularly Masters and Dallin Zalesnout was their best player by mile at fullback. He had an exceptional game. Mm. He was awesome. Um, and even fights hard Marin before he busted his hand. But full credit to England. But I still think, again, the standouts in this game, the few NRL stalwarts, and then Makinson and Connor, the young blood. I still think there's any older blokes there that need to be rolled over for England to have a chance moving forward. Yeah. So um, good result by them. And the last game, obviously not really in great depth, but we watched the Residence game there the other night, similar to the Tonga game. <sighs> first half, very disappointing. New South Wales, couple well, of young... first 60 minutes, really. Some young players coming through, though, into NRL sides that teams can be excited about, in particular the Sharks with Kyle Flanagan. He was good. Young yeah. son of uh, you know Shane Flanagan. He I was exceptional. Billy Walters was really good. Liam Martin was good. Yeah. I tell you what, Sean O'Sullivan. Uh, solid. He was man of the match. He was more than solid. Yeah, he had a great game. He kicked, he talked, he pushed around the park. Obviously, it's going to be hard to crack a spot in the Rooster side, as it was in the past for a lot of other halves who have had to move on to different clubs. Connor Watson... An example, you've got Liam's son there now as well. But he's only been in New South Wales Cup for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't think he's... I thought it was strange that he moved into that game. But to come into that game, dominate it, set up a try, score one, and just dictate the way he did around the park, they've got a pretty decent backup, a couple of backups there at the Roosters right now. Yeah. Um, but they were By just... the time Cronk's ready to give it up, he'll be ready to go. They, they just blew him off the park, didn't they? They absolutely blew him off the park. Liam Martin from the Panthers, like you said. Kurt Dillon from the Sharks, he's played some games. Jaden Braley's younger brother, Blake, at nine, controlled everything. Aikens, who I think solid for Penrith, flourished around those guys. And uh, the edges, Britt, Garner, they blew him off the park. Mm. But in particular, when you look at those younger blokes, that young spine for New South Wales, there's a couple of guys that are definitely ready to play some NRL football. And the centre, Marway and Herodio, I've mentioned before, he plays a bit of fullback and centre for the Rabbitohs. He's only 19 years old. He had a great game as well. But uh, from the Queensland side of things, they were dominated. They had an older forward pack. Some guys you know about Leary, Kafusi, etc. Uh, they were poor. They were they, rubbish. They were very, very poor. They were rubbish. They bombed some chances. They looked like a pub side. The only real positive, like you said, was Billy Walters, who all game threatened running the football. He's in the storm system. He's a bit of a late bloomer as well, but he was great. Mm. He he was all over it all game. Drinkwater at fullback started poorly, finished well. And I think the big thing to come out of this is for Burley, they're two players. They're on top of the comp up there right now. Jamal Fogarty, the halfback, is their best player just about. He's out long-term, it looks. And Pat Politoni, their hooker, got injured as well. So they lost two players from the residence game, unfortunately. There you go. But some of the younger players there I was looking for, Shibasaki from the Broncos, Walters, Drinkwater. Uh, Walters, the clear standout on that side of things. But mm-hmm. there you go. That wraps up the rep round. We'll uh, jump in now to some of your fan questions. But another plug before we move on for another sponsor in Nepean Boltmaster. More than just nuts and bolts, www.nepbolt.com.au. Nepean Boltmaster, your complete fastening system supplier with their main office located at Penrith and another one out there at Seven Hills. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products, not only in the region, but throughout the state. But there's a lot more to the Boltmaster than just fasteners. You'll also find industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting and materials, handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints, and general hardware items. 
The Pean Boltmaster provides total needs sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineering, and all associated industry segments. So if you're in a trade, you need all your bits and pieces, your tools, your gear, and your equipment for your job, look no further than the Pean Boltmaster. Get under Woz and the boys there, www.nepbolt.com.au. Fan questions, Boxhead. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are pretty keen after what's happened over the weekend. And Luke Lane says, underrated or undervalued player currently playing? Underrated or undervalued player currently playing top three. I don't know if I can count three off the top mate right now, to be honest. I don't know. Oh, what is it? It's Wednesday now. It's a bit weird this week. Everything's a bit off. Mm. Underrated or undervalued? I think Matt Pryor is undervalued. I think undervalued in the sense of like you're saying, yeah, 200 plus games. He's played a multitude of different roles. Uh, he gets through a lot of work there at Cronulla. Very solid middle defender. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I still think or well, maybe not so much. Uh, I'd, I'd throw Dean Farrow into that argument. I think he's undervalued and underrated. Well, when Greg Inglis, and I've probably said this a million times before, says that's the hardest person he's had to mark up against or defensively to beat, uh, I think you're on, on the money there. Other underrated or undervalued players? Mm. It's hard when you have to get to some of these on the top end, to be honest. No, that's all right. Racking my mind a little bit. They're, they're two that I'd be comfortable. I, I think, like, yeah... Matt Pryor now, I don't he's think, definitely undervalued now because he's played Origin. He'll get a nice little kicker because of that, I'd, I'd imagine. I don't think he's underrated so much or undervalued as much as I thought he was before, but I thought Dale Finucane used to be a pretty underrated footballer. Yeah. Not so much anymore. Um, yeah. This one always gets me sometimes when things like this pop up on the spot. If you had a little bit of time to look at a few team lists and kind of spring your mind. I think um, Slade, Slade Griffin is underrated. I think he's a good player. Yeah. For Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. there's a couple of those there's ones there. Brad McMillan, Queensland's line speed. It's clearly superior to the Blues, but is it worth the penalties they gave away in the game? Yeah, it is. Well, it is when you're absolutely ironing us out like they did. I think the bigger factor, like we spoke about, was the inside 20s, taking control, poor set finishes, seven tackle sets, and uh, they had a lot more opportunities to put things to bed. They just couldn't get the job done. So uh, definitely much better attitude and stuff like that, that's for sure. Uh, Luke Klein again says, on the back of Gus's comments, do you think the NRL should shorten the regular season to 15 games and only play every team once in order to raise the profile of the international game? No, you didn't. I don't think he exactly said play everyone once. I think he said play everyone 16 once, to 18 games or something like then, that. And um, then split into conferences, which we've we spoke about this three or four years ago. The need to even it out a little bit more, maybe have a Sydney grand final and then a Super Bowl type tournament. Um, I can't see it happening. I think our game is what it is. It's traditions. Uh, there's a lot of traditions. Look, I, I don't think I'd be comfortable moving away from it, but I think there's a lot of people rusted on people who like it how it is. They like origin how it is. They like the rep period how it is. I'd be happy to reduce it, definitely. My argument would be that, for example, the Panthers, like we live in this area, I think they should play every team in the competition, so 15 games. Then they should play three local derbies or four local derbies. Um, but then again, that still skews the competition because what if those three or four teams, teams. you play twice are no good? What yeah, if they are good? What if they are good? But this so, is the thing, what I've said before, I think... Unless you're going to... Uh, 
carve it up into divisions like the NFL does. And so then I don't have like it that idea either. I don't like it either. Skewed. Like I'm just comp. saying that if you're trying to work out how to make it even... There's still one factor that I bring up every single time people bring this up about cutting games and international and that. The TV deal has a certain amount of games to fill and that's the reason they get paid the money they get paid. If you want to shorten the competition, you're taking games away from the TV dollar and the advertisers who are paying for the product, their players well, the have to take is, a haircut and that's not going to happen. Gus's argument would be that they'd still pay the same amount for a greater quality of game. Because the argument is, is that about six weeks worth of the games that we've got now aren't up to quality, which people, is true. People are still watching TV, but it's still, still rates, content. And it's all about so, ads and content and covering the. But the Gus's, spread, so. what Gus's point is, is he's saying that we can we can differentiate where that content comes from. So if you've got the women's Origin, you've got Origin, you've got Test matches, you've yeah. got City Country, you've got Great Britain coming out. That you're going to fill those games still with the rep fixtures. Games. I think it is. I don't know. Not I think with the internationals. If you had England, um, New Zealand, Papua and New particularly Guinea, Fiji, he's probably looking through the eyes of Channel Nine. Yeah. It certainly is for Channel Nine. They're not getting paid from those international dominations. Like as Channel much Nine this weekend had as many on this rep weekend just gone had as many games what they would in a normal NRL yeah, round. Well, Fox wouldn't be happy with losing all the. That's content. what I'm saying. But that's I, the I thing. Think, At the end of the day, the big one is the money is there. For the players and everyone else involved in the international game, the money's not there for every country either. So you'd have to figure out a lot of ways to either split the pool or make things even and generate more TV product right. and have everything. And if you're going to do it, you need to tear the game down. But if you try, you need to tear it down and make sure that the representative season flows. Eight. You need to make sure that it's, you know, not district, but I guess country. And if you're going to bring back city country, it has to be city country, origin, internationals. It can't be how it was before. Uh, international city country origin. It just doesn't make sense. My idea a couple of years ago, and I think this is what we need to get to, but we can't at the moment because I still think the top end gets paid too much and the bottom end and the middle end doesn't get fed so we don't keep these players. We need to get to the point where we expand to, say, 20 teams and there's 19 teams for you to play and then you double up similar to what they do in the Big Bash against a local rival. No, see, so I, I, if it's 19, 19 teams, I just have 20 rounds with one buy. Well, that's fine. That's or if it. not, like I said, you double up with Para Penrith twice because that's your derby. Or Roosters and someone else. Well, you have is a your couple double. of split rounds. Or North Queensland, that is, you know, you double. But you get enough there where you can shorten the comp, you've got the games, you up, increase your games, but you need to have more talent. And we don't have that at the moment. Because mm. to me, the top end, like we said in this last TV deal, they go, oh, we lifted the minimum wage. You lifted it 20,000, 10,000 bucks or whatever. It's still more for some guys in the bottom end to go to England and get game time and get paid more. Mm. We needed to address the bottom end to keep more of those guys from not wanting to go to England. But. But I do think the the quality of the women's game, popularity of origin, the fact that Tonga are now becoming a legitimate international force is increasing the appetite for representative football and the game needs to adjust and give people that content. Where that content then falls is what the game needs to work out and what Gus's argument is, I think. I, I I don't like his argument to slot it right in the middle of the year, like to have 10 rounds, pause it for four to six weeks and then go again. I just think it's too big of a gap. I, I like the. I'd rather see the grand final finish earlier, um, and then just have a, uh, an international period at the end of the season. Yeah, you can do that. But at the moment, like I said, I, I don't like the fact we drop in around like we did. Twenty rounds. I'd stop. I'd stop for Origin. I'd have Origin um, staggered, maybe a, a Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, similar to what we've got it now. But yeah, it's it's difficult. Origin Origin is just. Such an intricate and um, strange format, but it works. It works because the games works. are exceptional. So, the best players are there. It's a great product. For all the benefits that it brings, we you know there's got to be some sort of 
toll and, and the toll is taken on our competition, unfortunately. I think this year's schedule has addressed that to an extent. I think it's been better. It has been a lot better. But if there's any way we can improve it further, I think that it'd only be a positive for the game. Yep. Uh, what did I? I've missed out on what I've got here. There we go. Joey, Dragons man forever. Thoughts on the criticism of Ben Hunt? I may be biased, but personally, I feel it's way over the top. Hope he bounces back. Here's a massive reason why the Dragons are on top of the ladder. Yeah, I agree. Well, I agree with all the club football stuff, and at this level, I stick by what I said before. Queensland, for all the times they're pointing the finger and say that we jump up and down, you've just lost possibly the best spine of all time. And within two games, you're trying to hunt down someone who's he had one a of the best players at club football. He had a shocker, but there's no one behind him pushing through that's better than him, so well, stick with him. Same as our Mitchell Pierce argument for four or five years. You can't put it on one player. He's no. not their sole reason they lost that game. No, but he had a shocker. He, well, whether he played bad or yeah. not, there wasn't much help He had a shocker. Him, so no. Point the finger at one bloke. The Buckster. Firstly, how good was the women's game? I didn't give Women's Rugby League enough credit until seeing that match. Would love to see that as a doubleheader with the men's matches afterwards. Thoughts? Well, like we said before. That. If you uh, bring up some different times and have the game on Sunday and have the daytime, you can give both primetime TV. Well, I'm pretty it, sure Peter Beatty tweeted on the weekend that it's going to go to 4 o'clock. The fans are demanding it's a 4 o'clock kickoff for Sunday game. So he's saying that it's going to be a 4 o'clock game next yeah, well, year. Good. Let's see it happen. Yeah. The Buckster also says, now that New South Wales has won the series, will Walters begin planning for the future in game three? He knows Slater has earned the right to a farewell, but would it be best to put Ponga at the back, giving his the no. number one and waiting. Slater will get his farewell. Slater he deserves it. And he was the best player on the field. I thought he was better than Ponga. So he'll definitely get that. Will he plan for the future? I'd say with those two changes that I was talking about, maybe. But Billy definitely won't be getting But every origin away. game is a standalone game in itself. Like you, There's no way that you're just going to pull the rug out and move towards looking for next year. Because next year is next year. But if Gavin Cooper is 33, Gavin, Gavin Cooper's one that's got to go. Yeah, if definitely. Jared Wallace has dogged it in three games. Because you know that he's not going to be there next year. You need to make a change. Yeah, get that. So that's but I'm that would be it. a change if it was game one to game two for me. He should have made that game uh, that, change made that change from game Call one to game two. Well. So there you go. Call right, off Gowie in the first yeah. game. Or Cooper not to be there, but they've stuck with it for two games and... Something needs to change now to look towards next year. So, yeah, but I, but what I'm saying is, it's not a it's not a it's not a decision that's based on the fact that they've lost the series. It's a decision based on the fact that you know that he's not going to be there yeah. next year, and he's not the best man for the job. Well, Wallace, I look at and go again. You haven't done the job for me starting, and you're definitely not a bench player. So I'm moving on to somebody to bring something, and I'd shuffle Maguire. Whether they do that or not, I'd have to story, look at but... Maguire's numbers compared to the first game. But Wendell Saylor was blowing up. Um, I know. I think in the first ten minutes, Jared he didn't have a carry. Yeah, mm-hmm. about Jared Wallace. Yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, Jody HD. If you boys were coaching an NRL team and had to play against the current top four, how would you try to beat them? What weaknesses would you exploit? Strengths would you need to try to combat? Curious for a coach's perspective on his uh, this as opposed to a player as well. You got to hold the ball. Got to be disciplined. That'd be. A if good you're looking start. at particular teams on that sense, yeah, all your fundamentals are there every week. Completions, good fifth tackle options, discipline, holding the football. But if you're playing say the Dragons, their strength obviously is they've got two very good halves, they've got a smart nine, they've got a great forward pack. So what you're looking to do there is obviously kill the momentum as best you can in the middle of the field to make sure that that halves don't get quality football. Well, Penrith gave you a blueprint how to beat them. Yeah. you got to get up, shut the forward pack down, then the halves are taken out of the game. They were playing off the back of a slow play the ball and they struggled. Their fifth tackle options are poor. The Roosters gave you a blueprint on how to pull Penrith apart. We'll just bash the middle and bash get, the middle. get after Maloney and play the edges. But South are the one for me that are very difficult to beat because Ooh. they've got such attacking potency that they can score from anywhere. So I think it's important for them that you've got to You've got to give them, turn the ball over to them inside 20 as much as you can. You need to go set for set with South as well. And try and win the forwards battle. Most of it is around that forwards battle. How you do it is different. Horses for courses, no forward packs the same. But you've also got to understand, it'll also depend on who I'm coaching. 
what tools yeah, do I have got. in order to you know, take advantage yeah. of their weaknesses? So it, there's no good identifying a weakness if I don't have a tool in order to exploit it. So, you know, it's a difficult question to answer, but... But weaknesses in teams, like I've said it before, there's not so much a weakness, but an area you would go after. Well, clearly for South, you go after their halves. You try and get not it as much Adam as Reynolds, Reynolds and you get yeah. it Cody Walker because they're poor defensively and their left edge They're is, not big either. Their left edge is their best attacking edge, but it's also their worst defensive edge. They've conceded a fair few down that side as well. So that would be the area you're looking for. Yeah, I think the Dragons have shown in particular on uh, their edges as well. They can be exposed at times. So they've got an area there. For Penrith, people get at Maloney constantly. He makes poor decisions and obviously they have to stop that forward pack. Uh, yeah, there's, there's keys for all teams. But for most things like Brock said, everything comes off the back of your forward pack. So for most of them, you stop their forward pack and they are some of the best forward packs in the comp. There's uh, no surprise there as to why. And what have we got here? A couple of comments from a stream earlier. B.E. Ashford. Bit of an obvious one, but thoughts on Robbie Farrell. Well, I think last week you... And me had different kind of thoughts on this side of things. I wouldn't have brought him back. I don't have a big issue given the circumstances now. People have got short short memory. I think he's been... Think about how he left. I get that, but I think the board's changed somewhat. The club's changing culture. I think he's got a bit of a shock to the system, a bit like Benji did when he went the first time. And oh, I get it. He's coming up with his tail between his legs, but... but... They need a nine. They've got a quality nine, someone who's ready to go right now and will upgrade that position and he gets to finish where he wanted to finish off without all the ego and all the other bits and pieces. I, I don't even look at it from a West Tigers point of view. I look at it from a South point of view. If, if they get an injury to Damien Cook now, yeah, well, I don't them, think they can win the competition. Put themselves in a bit of a hole mm-hmm. there. And, you know, Seabold sort of said on the weekend, look, it's the first thing I've disagreed with that Anthony Seabold's done. He sort of said, you know, I think it was the right thing to do. Well, you know, I, I don't think you should be looking after... Yeah, Robbie, say, or you're looking the after person, the West yes, Tigers. By your club, no. I think you should be doing the best thing by the club. That's what you're employed to do. So, mm. you know, unless there's things behind the scenes um, in this regard, oh, I, dis- I, I disagree with this decision by Anthony Seabold to let him go purely because well, the argument is also that, you know, you let him go and then you can top up Cook, but you can just let Farrah go at the end of the year and top Cook up and maybe buy someone else anyway. Well, they've got they've got the one of the residents hookers in their cup side who hasn't played. Great it's not yet. Robbie Farrah. No, I know that, but that's who they're going to be looking. You've at. You've seen so. the impact that Robbie Farrah can have on that well, side when he comes came in. Came in so. and done more than a job than most. Exactly, she's still NRL standard, which so is why for the I, Tigers, I, it's I really, really hope for South's sake that they don't get a, a big injury to Damien Cook. Yeah, Drew Bagatella is Latrell the best center in the game right now. Yes, I think he is. He I think he's close. got some dumb errors in him. Yeah. Um, Tighten them up, and that's that's youth, and that's the style that he plays. Well, but this year, take the good with the bad. Man. The two best centers to me, and I've been saying since early on. For me, Masters is the one for me. I think his yardage yeah. game, his meters, and his offloads exceptional. I think yeah. they're two young players that are the two best centers in the comp form wise right now for me. Casper mm. uh, is NRL doing enough to address the decline in juniors? If not, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What more could be done then? Yeah, well, they are. I think, they, I think we've addressed this a million times. The for- formats of the game, there's a lot more touch, try time. Um, there's also the non-contact sort of rugby league, the Oz tag style, league tag, I think it's called now. So they're differentiating uh, 
I guess, the access. People don't want to get tackled, then they can play this form. People who do want to get tackled can play this form. So they're giving more avenues for people to play the game. Yeah. Um, and I think we said this it's before. It's more competitive market the, too. The decline in juniors kind of thing coming off the back of people going, oh, concussion, this, that, and the other. At, at the end of the day, I, part of the decline is the scary reality of what happens in a contact sport. And it is what it is. And some parents aren't going to want their kids to play, but I don't think they can do any more than what they've done no. and put in place what they've done. And we've said this in the past, but if you want to be a helicopter parent and you're scared of your child copping an octave ahead, well, rugby league's the wrong sport. And there is different formats now there for you. But I don't think that a decline is any fault of anything other than the realities in the 21st century now of concussion, CT, and all these other bits and pieces scaring some people away. Yeah. I don't think it's got anything to do with the game or the product itself. But I think a lot of parents have information that we didn't have as kids now and that they couldn't have anything more in place to combat it, though. So you're either a fan or you're not, in yeah, my opinion. I agree. Uh, Simon Fraser. Do New South Wales still lack a former Roosters halfback and origin veteran who has the ability to put up shithouse bombs at the end of every set? Well, they've won the series, so... Yeah. It's a good quip, but at the same time, it's time to move on. Uh, what else we got? Michael Tracy. I know you guys were a fan of Chad Townsend, but if the Sharks are to stick with Maloney at six, you may need Moylan there. Do they need a better seven? I find Chad's game management and kick options lacking. Cheers. Well, I think kind of somewhat the other way around. I think Chad Townsend controls things and sets things up for Moylan to try and take advantage of things off the back of it. I think Moylan still struggles in the front line to set things up and take advantage of it. And the Brisbane game the other week, laying off a couple to Gallon and other blokes to take extra hit-ups instead of putting a play on. Uh, poor kick options. I wouldn't say Chad Townsend's got a poor kicking game. I think he's got a pretty solid kicking game. I think he does his job every week. He's not yeah. an outstanding number he's seven. Okay. He's, he's not okay. an outstanding number seven, but he tackles, he kicks, he gets you around the park, he does your job. Mm. But... Moylan or Maloney, we've said this a million times now, if you're looking at it. The biggest error was letting Maloney go. They'd take Maloney back in a heartbeat, mm. given the circumstances. And I'm still adamant, I'm sure you are as well, that Moylan's best spot's fullback, not six. Yeah. So I think moving forward, it's not on Chad Townsend for Moylan to create more off the back. I think it's on Moylan playing in the front line to grasp that role better and be on the ball a lot more. Uh, what else we got here? How come the RLPA were making every effort to get the NRL players more money last year, including threatening strike, but when Maddie Studden loses her job because she needs to play, the Players Association are suddenly nowhere to be found? Good question. It is I don't know. I can't, I, can't defend, I can't defend them. I, is it different because she's technically not a professional player? Well, they've got their own little you setup know, that, now. That would be but... like saying that one of our players in the Harold Matthews or SG Ball gets sacked from their job. Would the Players Association become involved in that? Because they're not technically signed to a professional contract, an NRL contract. Well, now I don't know. If, that's now not... if they've got that professional women's league, though, and they're signed to the clubs. But wouldn't they have had to commence that contract? I wouldn't imagine that they would have commenced training. That do, I don't know that about training, but that, that comp doesn't start for Do they have their own uh, RLPA for women? I, I don't know. Does it fall under the same banner? I don't know. There's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of well, different that things that That league only just came in, that. so we don't know enough about that side no. of things. But, but yeah. look, at it would be nice to see them do something. Yeah. But the NRL, Todd Greenberg came out, I think, and said that he's going to address it. And I also don't think, you know, people sort of going, oh, why don't you give her a job at the NRL? Well, that, to me... Yeah, there's too many people it's already just, getting that job at the moment. Just get that's... a little palm off job. Like that's that's the problem. We need to get the best people possible into those jobs. We've had too much of that in the past, and we still too see much it now. Jobs clubs for the boys, where it's just yeah, you can have this job because yeah, I have this because you got sacked. Yeah, Jason Landley, do you guys think the Knights should offer Ponga a Tamalolo DC style upgrade on his contract no. this early in his current contract to try and secure him for the next ten years? Five years, yes. Ten years, no. Well, I'm pretty sure he already signed for four and they went in hard early, close to the seven seven fifty mark. What he's giving you on the field, is he worth that? hundred percent. But if you've got him for four years right now and he's on close to that much money, mm. you could 
maybe talk and increase within the current deal, but I'm not adding any years onto it just yet. He's 19, he's still growing. There could be an injury. If we get two years into the deal and we're moving into the start of the third year with the one on the back end of it, I'm discussing then before he hits the market with the 12 months to go. But yeah. for the first two years of the deal, he's on 700, 750,000, 19-year-old kid. I'm not playing anymore right now. No. We went in harder initially. Um, he's on a fairly good wicket for his age, no doubt about it. Yeah, and he'd have upgrades there for Origin, etc. Anyway, well, you, you get think. ninety thousand. You get thirty for the game, and they get super on top of that from the external. But if he's got bonuses or triggers there, yeah, he'd probably on more money right if now. If he's got a good manager, they have the ability as well. I'm pretty sure with the new CBA because they haven't spent their cap to front load and upgrade, so they could pay him more now and add more for later if they wanted to. Yeah, given they've got flexibility in the cap, but. No 10-year deals, that's insanity. It just takes away all motivation for someone at 19 years of yeah. age. So, Graham Wright, how did you enjoy the Origin Champions? Atmosphere good. What about the Tonga match, the atmosphere, international rugby league in the future, not interstate rugby league, doing it for the fiends? I'd, I would have liked to have been out at Campbelltown to experience the atmosphere, but it looked sensational on TV. State of Origin. It was awesome. That was as loud as Suncorp. And we, I've been to Suncorp uh, yep. about six or seven times now. The atmosphere and the the noise in ANZ Stadium on Sunday night was as good as and loud as Suncorp Stadium. Yeah, I thought it was outstanding. And for once, we had hope in the crowd because we picked the right team and we got behind our side. We weren't sitting there in doubt and the crowd yeah. went berserk, especially that last 10 minutes. Every moment was road, uh, very vocal. It was great to be a part of. Yeah. Cameron Irving, is Ben Hunt to Kevy what Darius is to Wayne? Hashtag love, ta- hashtag love child. Hashtag Morgan Halfback for 2019. P.S. As a Cowboys fan, I understand how New South Wales feels. Hashtag Hunt the real MVP. Well, yeah. Again, I still don't think everyone is right in giving him such a mitigation. There'd be a headache if there'd be a headache if Morgan was fit, but he's not. So, and then we'll just see what happens next year. And she's a long way away. I wouldn't just say it's Kevy. Gene Miles is the one that came out and said it's his jersey and it's his team, etc. Well, to so. be fair, I've got to defend Kevy a little bit. Kevy won a ponger in game one, and they knocked it on the head. Uh, Lockyer came out and said that if Morgan was fit, it's more than likely that Ponga wouldn't have gone to Jersey for game two. Yeah. And Ponga was their best player aside well, from Billy Slater. To, yeah. He's very, very good. So the fact that, and this is the argument, this is what Gus argues this all the time, pick your best players and then find positions for them. Just because Ponga is the second best fullback doesn't mean that he's not in the best 17 players in that squad. Mm. He's the second best player in the in the team, but he's ranked behind your best player. Like, you still got to find a position for him and stick him somewhere. Well, they did. Stuck and him that was smart. And he held his own and then he almost won in the game at the back end. He yeah? did. Mike Winkley, is it just me or did the New Zealand anthem shocker just sum up what was wrong with the Denver Test? As a Kiwi, that was the most difficult league game viewing I've ever experienced. From start to finish, the whole thing was woeful. Agreed. Compare that to the Pacific Test and it's a non-contest. Mission not accomplished. Yeah. Stinker. Yeah, I... Said I didn't mind the first half, second half I was a bit disappointed. I thought again altitude, the travel, all that it definitely showed in the quality of the game. Mm. Um, and even from a crowd point of view, I know they're saying that they're going to go back the next couple of years and they're going to try to grow it and they're going to try to do their best. But I don't like it in the middle of the season. I, I'm all for rep round over here and again, our round trip or Tonga and that are all within Sydney and some blokes flew down from Queensland and Melbourne to be a part of the game. But a 40 hour round plane trip for the Super League comp and for the NRL and for the clubs who are paying, like we said last week, I think it's just insane. If you're going to do something like this, do it at the back end of the year. Yeah. And you said it, and I'm not in, didn't think about it so much, but it's spring. So the only sport that's on right now and shut down for most things over there is baseball. Yeah. It's spring vacation. People go away. They're not as interested as what they are. Yeah. So it's not the right time in that sense either to kind of generate the hype. So, exactly. Um, yeah. Adam Robinson, what do you guys think of Matty John's idea that Origin 2 should be a Sunday over? Well, we've just addressed that one. Arvo football, it's a no brainer. Marcus Reed, where to here for Manly? Well, 
what we said before, salary cap pressure. Uh, we said about not long ago, third-party issues still with Tapia and Walker. Where do you go from here? Well, when you're under the pump, you've got no third parties and you've got issues within your club and you're kind of handcuffed to it. And at the moment, they've still got issues. And moving forward, I don't know if they're going to have those two guys at their club or who's going to want to really go there at this point in time. Mm. They're handcuffed to a bloke who's got a contract that almost eats up 20% of their salary cap. They've got no third parties. They don't have the best facilities. It's a difficult situation all around. Big trouble, little trauma. So don't see it getting better anytime too soon. Andrew Wales, Corey Norman to the Titans rumor. Interesting if it's true. Yeah. Well, it creates a bit of a logjam if they were to sign him on big money and have Roberts coming back and have Ash Taylor and have AJ Brimson in their side and whatever Gordon does next year. And LG. So, well, he's gone basically. Where's he going? He's not going to get re-signed. There's talk that Canberra interested at a very budget yeah. price yeah. to pair him up with Caesar and try and reunite well, the pair. Definitely, uh, definitely. Sp- well, he's not getting a contract. Arms. He's gone. Okay. They've already basically highlighted that. He's yeah, he's out. Interesting. Norman of the Titans, though, I don't like it. I like it. I don't think it's a good spot for Corey Norman to be going. I'd like it, but yeah, I just have concerns about his personality. Yeah. He hopes we got the first try. Paid well, and I've been tipping him for weeks. Well, Holmes, he got the first try. Good coin there. Did not get the first try. We both had Addo Carr for first try. He obviously ended up scoring, but the charity bet was Addo Carr and New South Wales to win. Yeah. So we got that one. That paid. Uh, we also both had 1-12, to 12, so we got paid there. Yeah. And I got a juicy one. I think it was on Ladbrokes. Queensland with 10.5 starting under 39.5 at three bucks. Worked out very nicely. So we did collect on the night, which is always good. Dominic Coogan, should Ben Hunt have been sin-binned as well? Well, I think it's one or the other. Mm. Peter Sterling kind of talked about it afterwards. Either, it's basically the 10 yeah. or the penalty They trial. got them right. They got both right. But I think both should have been sin-binned. Just because it's not a penalty try... Or just because it was a penalty try, for me, doesn't take away the fact that it's a professional foul. Mm. So what if he what if he took him out and someone else scored, right? So say in the corner case, well, I think they'd just he, let it go. He, but I don't agree. Well, with no, it. I don't think they would. I think they'd I think they'd award the try and sin bin him because it's on a different player. Well, something needs to be clarified. I think we'll have to get the ref rules or something. Trying to look down the way. Can you get both or not? Yeah, Can I think you get a penalty try and the bin. Like I know if, if the try was scored because it wouldn't be a penalty try. If I Jamie Ains blow the you, try. If I Jamie Ains code you... That's different. Yeah, that's what I'm getting Because that's foul play. So if, I pro, if I pro, like foul play, KO you. What I'm saying is if he took him out exactly like he did mm. and whoever the left centre was, who is the left centre? Mitchell. Mitchell comes through and scores. They'd blow the try, call Ben Hunt out and sin bin him, I would imagine. So why, is it, why should it be different in the fact that we know that he would have scored, mm. he's taken that player out, but yet... The penalty try is deemed sufficient a punishment. Yeah, that's what right. I don't understand. That's what I guess. I would like to see the try is enough of a punishment. You know, what? I think Roberts's one is fair because there was no way that he, he was going to score. Yeah, ben Hunt 10 was going to score. Ten, 10 minutes was right. But I think also, but in that case, the try was going to be scored. Blow the try as a penalty try, or if someone scores a try, but it doesn't take away from the fact that there was a professional foul. He gets done for 10. Yeah, and I guess the benefit is you get a try because if we had the 10 minutes, we still have no guarantee we would have scored. Yeah, but so also it's if I'm a gray the coach area. and they say, well, do you either want the try or do you want him in the bin? I would yeah. say every time in the bin. I'd take the bin as well, but I'm just saying there's still no guarantee. Like and you get a penalty 10 metres out. Yeah, they didn't score though, so I think there's still a bit Well, of Queensland doubt, didn't, but yeah. I think that was more through their lack of composure than their than you know the fact that they didn't have opportunities. Yeah. Kenny Anderson, keen for this. Please hang shit on Queensland pick and stick policy. No, well, it's easy to have a pick and stick policy when you're winning. Yeah, they did it for a decade and we said that. It was easy to pick. And we don't know why we pick and stick with the team that we had because we had blokes that were there 
bad for culture, bad individuals, and the there Pickens for a paycheck. Didn't even apply at the start of this series because they, they nah. got rid of Matt Scott. Well, they blooded eight last year and they won, so I yeah. don't know. Pick and stick's not a big factor in this series. They stuck with a couple of guys and gave them a chance because they're a bit younger, like we said, in a Wallace, but maybe now for game three that he may not be there. Pick but, and stick's yeah. just stupid, particularly in origin. Like, you're under so much pressure. Yeah. You know, you lose... Um, Lose one game and you you got the Gundy head. Yeah, so got to win. Coaches have to make rash decisions. And again, they weren't bad in either game. They probably should have won both games, but they didn't close out well, the critical moments. Well, they can consider themselves very, 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 very lucky that they didn't unlucky. Sorry that they didn't scrap one game. Yeah, Tom Douglas, what are your thoughts on Chambers? This Origin series, a shadow of his usual self, in poor. my opinion. He's been terrible. Game mm-hmm. one, missed twelve tackles. This time, couple of kicks, three or four penalties. Uh, yeah. The trails had it all over him. Ibrahim Charmy, tab.com, Roosters, 1 to 12, 350. Cooper Cronk Masterclass to get the Mighty Roosters home over Melbourne on Friday. Interesting. Yeah. Chucking some chips so out there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who backs up. Yeah. Robbie Ryan, Origin Review, the NRL is corrupt, the end. Mm. Sour grapes, Robbie. Sour grapes. If the NRL was corrupt, they certainly wouldn't have allowed uh, Queensland to win yeah, for a decade. Exactly. So that's just a silly comment in itself. And all your own players have come out and backed the fact that that was a penalty trial. So yeah. the gag I won, we agree. Hard done by. There's no bias here, but mm. that's just, yeah, that's a stupid opinion, to be honest. So uh, I hope you enjoy the show, but yeah, disagree with the champion. Moving in to a couple more we've got here. And as usual, plenty from the fans. Andrew Bennett, happy Blues supporter here. Just think about game three. You've got Morgan, Ponga, Hunt. Munster and Slade all available for selection. Where do you put them all and how the hell do you not win any rugby league game on the planet with them in your team? Well, Morgan's not fit. Well, he wasn't fit. If he was fit, we already spoke about it before, they basically said that Ponga wouldn't have been selected be and he would end up on the bench. But does that make a difference? Looking at what Ponga did, I don't see Morgan doing that off the bench. Hmm. Ponga is a pretty exceptional player as far as what he can do with his feet. Uh, I'm still amazed that he can create numbers the way he does. And that inside-outside, there was nothing cooking there for him. Yeah. He just confused corner and had Maloney slide out as well. It was, it was, it was He's going to have moment. to keep evolving, but because that, that zip and that speed and that it's ability, not be there forever. it's not going to be there forever. But so I think he, he, already, he already ticks a lot of boxes that most young fullbacks don't. It's not just a strong return game. Get he's it. left and a right foot. He's got a kick. He's got a pass. He's... And he's going to get stronger. That's the scarier part. Yeah, it's not a, he's not at the peak of his powers just yet physically. It's not a criticism, but he's no. going to need to continue to develop. 100%. Scott Brahoney... Uh, have the dogs been over the salary cap all this year or did letting Woodson and Bayer go keep the money for next year? Oh, they haven't been over all this They haven't year. been over and they were cap compliant for next year. The problem was to bring in any players or to be able to fit the six or seven in they needed, they all need to be minimum wages. So mm. the fact they've got some pressure out of the cap now, close to $1 million, $1.2 million rumoured, means they can go out and get six or seven guys around the 200 mark or something like that that are ready to place in first grade but still are not going to be like-for-like replacements of what they've got. But... The end of it all is there's still a bunch of back-ended contracts and triggers that are coming up in the next two years, which is why they've said they're not going to have any real cap space to spend until 2021. Let's be fair. Woods wasn't giving them a lot. So I, I think they've just got to get – they've got to go and get six or seven really good, young, up-and-coming players and hope that one of them can develop into some semblance of what Moses and Bai gave them. Well, it's similar to what we just spoke about, going to a club like a Roosters who have got a couple of young halves that are behind good pairs and go after a kid like that and say, yeah. we can get you to play now. Or forward's no different. You need to look at a club like the Dragons if they've got a young forward. Or... Well, I don't know why they wouldn't go and get Kane Elgin. You know, like he's, he's going to give you more than what Kieran Foran's going to. Kieran yeah. Foran's always busted. Well, again, depends what the price tag is. Manager's always trying to push that thing. If Canberra yeah. are interested, I think looking up with Caesar would be something he'd probably be more interested in. But but I'm just using it as an yeah, example. Yeah, I get that. You know? like, you're going to get more output from some of these guys that aren't 
getting as great of an opportunity elsewhere. But again, if I'm the Bulldogs and everybody done it with Christian Crichton, I'm looking at a team like Penrith with great depth and guys looking to get that's, game that's time, and I'm trying to swoop in on like your layouters and guys. I think he's already re-signed. But if there's anyone there on the fringe that's getting games and not on a great heap of money, yeah. I may be able to give them fifty thousand, a hundred thousand more than Penrith will, and give them game time for the next year or two. Yeah. So they're the players they need to swoop on at this point. Matt Greener, this is a complete hypothetical. Could Freddie pick a few players that were close to selection for Origin 3 and rest a few players that won this series? It could potentially increase our chances of winning the third game because you'd have guys in there trying as hard as they can. And two, did Cameron Smith leave Queensland high and dry at the last minute? JT and Cronk at least gave Queensland notice so they could make plans, but Smith sort of bailed and threw a curveball. I think, again, what was said by Talos and a few other guys, 42 origins and the way he's led and guided them, he can make a decision at any point in time and do what he wants. I don't think you can say that he has let Queensland down with what he's given Queensland. He won them the series again last year and had an exceptional game in game three and has been there and the rock of everything the whole time. Mm. So I don't think anyone's got the right to tell Cameron Smith that he's done wrong by Queensland given what he's done the last decade. Uh, We spoke about earlier, I think maybe a couple of guys could play if they have injuries or issues like Tyson Frizzell, who's obviously playing pretty heavily needled up, or Cordner started the season, he's got a bad knee, and obviously the concussion, but like Brock said, you tell a player that you want to rest him for an origin, I don't think it's going to go down too it's well. It's not. So, no, ridiculous. You, unless you, never, you never rest players. I think there's still a high possibility that Pryor at 31, though, was brought in to do a job like we spoke of, may not get a running game three, and James may get that role. I think mm. Sims may be unlucky and miss out again, but yet to be seen. Joel Bradiker, possibly the best back line for next year. Ponga, SKD, Moga, Ramian and Ferguson, Watson and Pierce for the Knights, that is. Surely that's a back line that can make the top four, or am I dreaming? Well, at the end of the day, you need to have a forward pack to be able to have an effective back line. So on that side of things, they've got Glasby coming in to join the Safidi twins. Lilliman and Heine to be out of the picture there. Uh, I think their back row, Fitzgibbing, Guerra. Uh, you know, Barnett isn't too bad. But again, do you have enough in the front row department? At this point in time, I still think they're a front row short. Mm. Um, they need to address that area. The back line's exceptional. We've seen what a difference Pierce has made since he's been out. There's a couple of games that have been close that he probably would have closed out. But um, Yardage would no doubt be better if they were able to bring Ferguson in. Jesse Raymond, we speak about constantly, and he'll be exceptional for him as well. But a little bit in the pack. I don't know about top four, but top eight should be a goal next year for Newcastle with the right recruitment. Graham Wright. Oh, he's already got that one. That's a double up there and there. No worries, champion. David Hooper, name one team that is currently flying under the radar and will come home with a wet sail post-origin. Canberra. Well, they've only had Papali in. Hodgson just came back and they put on a masterclass, but realistically, them and the Tigers, their seasons are on the line every week from here on out to try and keep up with the top eight. You're going to win, what, six and they've and got, nine or something? This weekend is critical because they're six or four behind the Broncos. Four. And then you've got the Tigers are also four behind. So they've got the Titans at Leichhardt, yeah. Broncos against the Raiders up there. If they both win and the Raiders roll the Broncos, it's massive for We've both We've got of a 10-team comp. Yeah, yeah, you've got something going. If they, they both lose if and the, the Raiders bomb bigger, it, yeah, and yeah. the Tigers Six go. Six-point gap, it'll be hard to see that getting close. If not, it's going to be the Tigers holding on with that four-point gap, but it's still going to be hard for them if the Broncos win to catch up because yeah. it's effectively three wins, not two wins. Because four and against is an issue as well. I think the Tigers have also got to play South and the Dragons twice. They've got a hard run home by looking at it. and uh, It's not going to be easy, that's for sure. Daniel Bennett, because it's so important to tie in, push inside the ball, shut the gate, do the dirty stuff defensively, which players do you rate highly in regards to cover defense and tidying up for their teammates? Well, Nathan Cleary the other night as a half defensively is already exceptional, but his work on the inside and then releasing to get out and help is absolutely exceptional. 
Um, he How many gave, times have you said exceptional today? I love the word exceptional. Just like outstanding Jeez. was too much. Someone told me to change outstanding, whoever that bloke was, so exceptional is now there. I want to count, guys. Post it on Twitter. There you go. How go many times have you said if it? If you're that desperate to go back and listen to me saying <laughs> exceptional, go for gold. But, yeah, Nathan, he he does a great job of that. I think There's other guys in the comp. Uh, I think you want to talk about dirty stuff or tying in around the ruck when you're talking about some of the middles that do that work. I think Adam Lee is pretty good at it. Oh, yeah. And then smashing people in the back. <laughs> He's plenty good at cleaning up around the middle. Don't yeah. worry about that. Uh, yeah, inside pressure. There's a couple of guys. I think Dale Finucane at Melbourne. James Graham's very good at that. He's yeah. very good at little, little Kick parts pressure. of the game. And that's yeah. one thing I think about Finucane and Jackson and guys like that. They do a lot of that dirty work like that, inside pressure, kick pressures, things like that. Um, yeah, but from the origin in particular, Nathan Cleary, certainly mm. good on the inside. And around the ruck, people like DeBellin. Matt Pryor was brought in for that reason, I think. He's really good around Josh the ruck. Josh McGuire, he's another one that loves smashing people in the back. Good times. Loves it. Diego Montoya, belly ache impressions, please. As I say... Uh, three more years at the Storm, as I say. Um, this club's given me my opportunity to, to coach first grade, so I feel that I, I owe it to stay around and see through the next generation. Yeah. Good times. Andrew Bennett, if Josh Hodgson was out there in a Cameron Smith suit, would he be able to tell that it wasn't really Cameron Smith playing? Their styles look pretty similar. Mm, yeah, you could. Well, I think Josh Hodgson's obviously a lot more mobile from dummy half. He's a lot shorter than Cameron. And a too. bit more of a running threat in that sense. The left foot kick, I give a little bit more credence to. I still think Smith's kicking game overall is a bit better. Yeah. Um, but he's a bit more zippy around dummy half and likes to probably get his nose out a little bit more mm. than Cameron Smith. I think Smith's a better defender too. Yeah. Dills Hall, is Edric Lee... Ah, oh, well, that one's just a waste of time. Uh, Kyle Sapford, given the origin performances, who's in your kangaroo 17? Well, look at that side of things. You've got to take into account there's a long way to go to season. The finals, injuries, and all that along the way. I think we're only playing one test match at the end of the year against New Zealand. Two weeks I don't after think the is, I don't think there's any test matches. There is one. They mentioned it yesterday. Okay. We're playing the, the New Zealanders, I think, before they go over to play England. Okay. So a one-off test. Uh, I think a lot of guys with incumbency... Well, they're pushing for a, a game against Tonga. So Yeah. Well, whether I agree or disagree, I think Mal's pretty solid on incumbency. So I think guys like Clemmer and that, even if I wouldn't pick them for Australia, will be there. I, I disagree. I doubt that he'll pick Dugan and all that. I hope he doesn't pick any of those guys that weren't no, part of Origin. Be. Surely he'd move on from some of the guys in World Cup. But I think Particularly Holmes, that guys are coming in and won New South Wales a series. Well, I think Holmes, Gagai and Inglis would be in the back line, even though I think Adokar would have to go close. But I think Latrell would go close to taking Chambers' spot the way he's played this well, he series. Would. If you're uh, picking it on form, he has to. Fullback's a no-brainer. That's Tedesco's jersey. Mm-hmm. I think that's Tedesco's jersey. The Harbs, this is an argument I'd go... Again, I'm more about the future. If it's a one-off game, I'm not picking James Maloney. Everyone's saying James Maloney. I think if you're picking out of the origin, I'm picking Munster at six and I'm picking Cleary at seven. I'm moving forward. Mm. Cook's the nine. I think that's an argument they said yesterday. It's open Slather. I don't think McCulloch has shown as much in the first game. You know what you're going to get on McCulloch. He does a solid job, but Cook's a lot more dangerous at dummy half. Yeah. Props, if Campbell Gillard's healthy, he was there for the World Cup. Clemmer was there. Back row, Cordner, Frizzell, Maguire... I think DeBellin and Jake Jaboyevich have to play for Australia. Right now, that's about 15. I think there's a bench spot open for a middle as to who they'd pick for that role. And if there's a utility, I think Ben Hunt would get the benefit right now, the fact that he can play um, as a hooker or as a half. So there's probably 16 spots if I was talking about it right now. Mm. But, yeah. We've got here Jason Lamley. He's his repeat. Adam Thomas, would love to hear your thoughts about Tonga and how close they are to being a Tier 1 nation. I reckon they're stronger at the moment, definitely, than New Zealand. And we give the Aussies and Poms a run for their money. Is financial support, etc., involved with becoming a tier one nation or just results? 
Just results. Be results. They're a, they're, a t- they're a tier one nation at the moment. With yeah. the players that they've Can got. Can they do it consistently? Who knows? But let's, again, be real. That side I just spoke about would not give up the soft tries that Samoa did on the weekend and then Tonga on the flip side conceding three in a row in a short space of time in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. I think still looking at the key positions in the spine, if you're telling me Tui Lola here, Arta Hingano, Sione Katoa or Saliva Harvili are going to match up against an Australian spine, I don't think so in the critical times in the game. That's the big difference between you know the nations at the moment. The forward pack and the back line, great. But as far as key moments coming from the halves and the spine in particular, grinding things out and being defensively solid, I think the Australians still beat Tonga. Agree. Yeah. That's just my opinion at this point in time. But Zach Maitland, sorry for posting two questions, but what do you guys think of the women's game? We've addressed that one. Thought it was fantastic. Hopefully it becomes a three-game series. Can't disagree there. And why can't Origin... Be three Saturdays in a row, standalone rep round in the middle, split buys on the other two weeks. It's not enough recovery. Yeah. You need the time there. I think, again, if it was just that over that kind of period and three weeks off from club football, uh, it's not really great for a lot of the guys that maybe aren't playing. You lose a bit of continuity. I'm sure the clubs wouldn't be happy having their players away for three weeks as well. Yeah. Mike Winkler, is it just me? Or, oh, sorry. Here's a repeat question as well. I don't know what's going on with this. Brennan Savage, listen to Triple M's podcast most days. What are your thoughts on MG as a footy analyst? I can't believe they give people like him a job. Stuff he's feeding the public's ridiculous. He said the NRL should stop in June just for origin. Also suggested DC should play hooker for Queensland. We need a petition for you lads to take over. Take over the rush hour. Good. Get brutal. rid of him. Brutal. Get rid of him. Brutal. Get rid of MG. Friend of the show. That's a, that's a brutal assessment. But every- uh, Well, Gus Gould's come out and said the same thing. That they should stop mid-year. So a lot of people around the game have suggested that. I personally don't know how that's going, how that would work. I wouldn't like it. I don't love the idea of stopping the competition for, you know, four-week period. I think it, you'd lose all momentum. And I just – no competition in the world anywhere, NBA, NFL, EPL, et cetera, et cetera – Stop their competition for a month or more. None of them. No. So even for their rep break that they have in there, they, they may have a two week break. Yeah. But you know, and that's two weeks between games. So theoretically, it's a one week break, similar to what we've just had. Would yep. be their international break. So if you were going to do that two or three times during a year, I think that could work and have it as a six week overall break, but not in one big slab. I don't think it'll work. No, definitely not. Ben Fisher, Chamber versus Oates for Game 3. Well, that's not going to work because Oates plays on the wing or, again, he wants to play in the back row. He's not going to play centre unless you're Oates. Move, unless you're yeah. going to move Gagai in. Unless Gagai's going in. So that's the only way that's going to work. But uh, if it's purely to play centre, that's not happening. Josh Davies, how did the dogs mess get so far down the road? Sure, the NRL submitted a multi-year contract. They should look whether a club will be cap compliant for future years and not for next season. Well... It's partly on them, but we've said it a million times before. It's on the previous board. Rayland Carson, in particular, for enabling Des Hasler with full control. And Ray did re-sign him and then led to this other mess where they fired him late in the year and just, yeah, left this absolute bungle that the club's in right now. Yeah, but Des Hasler had some... full control of recruitment. Rayland Castle, Coach, Ray CEO, board, and... NRL all need to take some responsibility. Uh, heard someone say the week, uh, last week that it's to do with recruitment staff. That's the thing. There was no recruitment staff. It was yeah. Des Hasler. So. And Rayland Castle and yeah. the board. They all have to sign off on contracts. Yeah. Adam Robinson, uh, that's a repeat. Michael Cooper, our CEO's important. Uh, more important than coaches in the modern era. It seems to me that clubs that purr like kittens on the business and seem to translate into club form, a la Rabbitohs, Storm, Panthers, while clubs that don't have them sorted are in all sorts, Bulldogs, Manly, Parra, etc. and on that. What are your thoughts? Uh, what clubs do you think are pulling it together board-wise and will be on the rise over the next few seasons? And are there any 
on a slippery slope. Well, you've just nailed it. From top down, it's got to flow through the whole club, and those clubs have been successful for a reason, and the other ones are in shambles for a reason. We see it all the time. Manly, infighting factions, Bulldogs change over the board, Parramatta some changes. A board on the rise to me is Newcastle. They straightened yeah. out their issues. They've done the right thing. They've got performance-based stuff in there with their coach. They're not tied to anything stupid. They're not giving out any dumb deals. Uh, one on a slippery slope. Bulldogs. Well, the Bulldogs are already on the slippery slope. But, yeah, this new board, they've got some critical decisions to make in the next few years, and it's a hard situation. Paramount. Yeah, well, given their situation as well. Yeah. They made changes that were supposed to be it's a under, positive. Uh, football managers are underrated. They often do a lot of good work behind the scenes and don't get named. It's usually CEO, coach who takes credit, but there's a lot of good football managers out there. 100%. Melbourne, Frank Panisi is exceptional. Peter Park, North Queensland, has been great for a long period of time. There's mm. some good ones out there. There's no doubt about it. Pat Crosby. How much must Aaron Woods regret signing with the Doggies? I heard that he was liking things at the Tigers when Ivan Cleary came to coach but couldn't back out of his contract. What a mess. Well, it was... Partly that, but they also made an offer to him. And no one will, put a gun to his head. No, made him they made him an offer. He still signed the Bulldogs. So at the end of the day, it's on Aaron Woods. And whether he came out and said at the end that he wasn't enjoying it or liking it, if he would have just taken some time, calmed down, and they weren't all trying to bully the club in a situation where they shouldn't have had any leverage because they've never done anything quite exceptional or took them into finals, he'd still beat the Tigers. Hmm. But, and Brooks and Woods, really, this year, they've shown glimpses, but they... They haven't shown that they Brooks. should be on massive money. Brooks are all Woods. What are you talking about Brooks? I'm just or? talking about in the fact that those guys were trying to get leverage over the club last year. Moses and that one. The only Brooks one, was one of the owners out of the picture. Yeah, but they were talking about the big four. Yeah, well, I think Brooks can't So really for me, the only, the only one... Brooks is the only one, the only one there that has, has really proven to be a high-paid player is Tedesco. Well, I think Brooks on wasn't a part of it. They mapped it into the big four. He's the only one who signed and didn't well, say whether a word. he likes it or not. I, you know, I, don't, I don't care. But I'm just saying that out of those four who were labelled the big four, the only one that I look at and go, "You're a big, you're a big time player." Is Tedesco. Yeah, it was Tedesco. Yeah. We agree with that 100. Yeah. But I think Brooks gets most. Yeah, but that's last year. But what I'm saying is that's been reflected in their performances this year. That's all yeah. I'm saying. It's not a personal attack on Luke Brooks. It's a, it's a form. Well, he's the only one. I think I think Tedesco handled himself somewhat right. He was more frustrated with the club in general, not so much those two. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking Woods, about how they've performed this year in relation to their salary. Well, Brooks is not on a big salary. He's on a decent salary. Brooks is on 400. Well, he's and on I think he's that. played fairly well considering. And they made him that offer and he stayed. He was one of the only ones who didn't mess around. So mm, I'm pretty sure he's on more than that. I think anyway. Luke Brooks has done a good job given the circumstances and the coaching that he's had from Ivan this year. Uh, NRL fantasy expert, do you guys think the Sharks are going to use Woods and do you think this directly affects Fafita and Gallon's minutes? Love the pod, keep it up. I think he'll be off the bench like used this week. Uh, they were speaking about moving prior to 13. You've got Fafita there as well. Prior to 13? I think no. Gallon's the one who probably loses minutes and again, at the back end, he's not hasn't been as effective. So I think Woods slowly starts to eat into his role a bit more. Woods are going to have to play better. He's definitely going to have to play better. Let's see if he can do it. New club, no excuses. Gonna, it's the only way you're going to eat into anyone's minutes. Yeah. Jason Johnson, where do you think Ponga's best position is? I thought fullback. Fullback. But after Sunday, I think 5-8. Fullback. 5-8, nah, you limit him to one side Please. of the field. Fullback, he's got full spread. He can roam wherever he wants. His kick returns, his footwork. He's at the back. Rusty Freeman, Ben Hunt, talk about dropping him is ridiculous. So he executed a poor kick. He's not renowned for his kicking game, and he'll learn from it. It's his third game for Queensland. Justin Hodges, of all people, called for him to be dropped. He must have forgotten his own origin career and how it started. Justin Hodges is a drip. Yeah, well, he said some pretty ruthless things, but for again, I, Taylor just toughness wise in the way Hodges he plays. Hodges can't get a sentence out on TV. I, yeah. yeah, he's well, another one who's just got a gig because he's an ex player. So, yeah. it is what it is. He wants to be ruthless. I can do the same thing. Yeah. You can't get a sentence out. I don't trust anything that Hodges said. And that flog off show 
Queenslanders only or whatever they get on there. And well, again, we don't eat our own. You just did eat your own. I always exactly. say New South Wales rip on their players. You've just said that one of the best players in the comp this year after two games, the brand new spine after the most dominant one for a decade, yeah. should be dropped and he's terrible. And Ash Taylor, a kid who you know plays well in one area of the field and is quite soft at times if I'm not going to pull any punches, is going to go into the origin arena, dominate and stand up. I think that's a pretty it's big crap. stretch. Move on. Yeah. Robert Temesvaro says, wondering where old mate that used to do the passenger of the week went. And also, my vote for Passenger of the Week for the podcast this year is going to Mr. Gossip. Yeah, good. Bang. Into Mr. Gossip. Kenny Anderson, Crichton to centre when Roberts was in the bin. Why was Peachy playing around the middle for that period? Regardless, I'm happy with the result. I'm also questioning the forward rotations of Queensland in the last few minutes. To me, Maguire was wasted on the sideline. Yeah, he was wasted on the Yeah, he should have got more minutes. And uh, Crichton to centre, well, it's no different to him. He just defends one further yeah. out. And, and he was short. comfortable on that edge. Peachy was in the middle just to work because yeah. he was fresh legs. Fresh legs. Get on the ball, take a few carries. He did his job. Uh, ben Nobbs, everyone has their own opinion, so what's yours? Langer helping Cordner. Was it gamesmanship or sportsmanship? I think it was probably both, and it's been blown out of proportion. Oh, fucking please. It he was, was sportsmanship. He was KO'd. It's got nothing to do with gamesmanship. Gamesmanship, my ass. Everyone could see that he got KO'd. He was always going to the HIA. Someone, I can't remember who it was, bringing up, oh, maybe he went there to make sure he went to the HIA. He Rubbish. was always going to the HIA. It was sportsmanship. It was the right thing to do. Um, it's insane to even bring up that, and that's the sad world we live in these days that people question actions like that. The bloke was absolutely Corner was telling Alfie to bugger off, and he was telling the New South yeah, Wales trainer bugger to bugger off. off. So yeah. it was clear he was concussed, and he was coming off regardless. I, I thought it was excellent what Alfie Langer did. Yeah, and the last he's one, always out there. That's probably the only time I've yeah, been happy that he's all, out there. It's the last thing. He's always hanging around. There's no doubt about that. And the last one here, Campbell Scott, Dalian Predictions. My thought at the beginning of the year was Gareth Widdock. Thought because he was close last year and missed multiple games due to injury. Also, he doesn't miss games for rep footy. But Cameron Smith now is in the equation because he's not playing rep footy. Mm. I, I, I think Melbourne have got a pretty hard run home. And I don't think they're going to win as many games. But if they do, I think he'll poll. Pong has still been leading it even though they haven't won games because he's getting votes. But if Pierce comes back and they win a couple, if he polls a couple of threes, and I think he's got a lead at the moment, uh, I think him and Maloney are in the driver's seat before it went silent. Mm. So Maloney, when, did, when did it go silent? Uh, round 14. Okay. But Maloney, obviously, if they finish up, he was in the lead, I think, with Ponga when it went quiet. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. Fan questions. Moving into the last part of the show, we've got Mr. Gossip's Dirt, and we're going to go through tips and bets for round 16 and have a bit of a preview there. And all of those odds, the tips, and Mr. Gop is brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate, our mates there. Will, Matt, and all the boys, big appreciation for them coming on board. The charity bet, four weeks in a row now. Box said he's been on a bit of a roll. Had Addo Carr New South Wales to win on the weekend, so things are building up nicely there. And obviously, that package, the premium sports package there, their professional punters, get on board with that. Fifth and last link when we post on the page, follow that. Half price for your first month, $99. And if your tips don't turn you a profit in that month, you get the next month free. No locking contracts, cancel any time, then it transfers back to the normal amount of 200 they got on a hot streak themselves for four weeks there and got up to about $2,500 worth of profit. Had a bit of a rough week last week. Lost about 800 to to 1000 but that's the way it goes. But for the season overall, still ahead by 1000 bucks. So good there by the Pro Sports Syndicate. And you also need to keep your eyes out for those bonus bet sign-ups. I've certainly taken advantage of them. All of us love some bonus bets on the weekend there. They had the sign-up link for you for Palmer Bet. If you deposited $50, you got $150 in bonus bets. So who doesn't love a free bet? So... The Pro Sports Syndicate. But now on to Mr. Gossip's mail for this week. And Box said the first bit he's got here is something we talked about in the off-season and it's starting to kind of rear its head again. And we've both heard a little bit 
during the week. Uh, there's rumours suggesting that Gould and Griffin at Penrith are once again uh, having a bit of a feud and there's some issues there still. Yeah, something that's floating around. So be interesting to see how that um, how that pans out. But um, mm. Well, again... With the smoke, there's fire. I mean, it's there's a lot of leaking coming out of the Panthers. So there's, there's a leak there. Whether they like it or not, there's a leak yeah, there. Well, they, obviously, it's because there wasn't the preseason. And I've still said multiple times again in my preseason prediction, I put them in on talent iron, but I still don't think with him there, he's a good enough coach to maximise the talent that they've got and win them a premiership. I think the key to them winning a premiership was in the purchase of James Maloney and the fact that he's done it at a couple of clubs and he can bring enough, hopefully on the field, on a big game day or pull that all together. But still, if they had Ivan Cleary or someone else in charge who was a high-level coach with that group, I think they're better off. Yeah, I whiffed. Um, I had them out based on the preseason rumours and their talent alone's got them to where they are. Um, it'll just be interesting to see what pans yeah, out what because we know... Because you keep hearing it. We know what happened with Ivan when Ivan started to butt heads with Phil Gould. Um, we know who's going to win that battle. Yep, we sure so do. So if Anthony Griffin's going down the same path, he needs to learn the lessons that Ivan Cleary... Uh, or learn the lessons of Ivan Cleary, I should say, and try and patch it up, whatever the issue is. I don't know what the issue is, but um, yeah, well. I've had several texts and several people close to the Panthers tell me that there's still massive issues within the joint. Yep. Um, so we'll see what pans out. Next bit, a bit closer to home, something uh, we are talking about a bit earlier, but Bryce Cartwright is apparently looking at offers from the UK. And what I don't get here, if he's looking at offers from the UK, he's only just taken a four-year deal on the Gold Coast, and I don't think moving overseas is going to fix any of the problems he's having. Well, I've got mail. The Gold Coast is going to sack him. So, and that's from a pretty good and reliable source. So I've got no reason to doubt my source on that information. That's the same source that gave me info on Jared Hayne last year that was spot on. So, and on Neil Henry, which was also spot on. So, uh, look, I, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what plays out. So maybe the, maybe the Titans have said, look, safe face, try and get a deal elsewhere before we punt you, uh, which may be the case. But, yeah, again, Bryce Cartwright's playing at a reserve grade level at best. But I still go back Let's and defend fair. what I said at the start. I didn't think Garth Brennan was the bloke I would have hired, and this hire alone showed ego and poor judgment in the fact that he took – Bryce Cartwright talked about he's worked with them before, he can fix things, turn things around, and gave him the full deal. He didn't ring Penrith to negotiate, try and get a part of the deal. He got him released and fully re-signed on a four-year contract, which mm. is absolute insanity and was the, a poor move straight away. Um, letting him go, I think, would basically be admitting defeat on his behalf if he's willing to do that early enough. Full credit to him for doing so, and if the club can move him on, whether it be to the UK, somebody else, or whether they do have enough grounds to move him on in the sense that you're saying with mm. breaches or not. But all in all, he's not playing good football. It was a bad decision by Garth Brennan. He needs to own it if he's going to move on from him. Exactly right. Yeah. The next one, nothing new. Said it uh, on the last show, but Hastings close to signing with Huddersfield. They've confirmed today that he's been released, so it's no doubt there'll be an announcement soon enough that he's heading to the Super League. Good for Jackson Hastings. I'm still in support of the fact that I think it was defamation what happened and the way he was tarred. If I'm Hastings, I would be suing Manly after what happened, 100%. That's defamation of character. There was nothing to back that up. Players came out afterwards, went against the comments that were made. It was a breach of the contract. It was a breach on all levels. But more importantly, character of person. I think what was said and the damage that was done was enough to... Whether clubs didn't want to touch him or not, I think it gave absolutely zero chance for the possibility of him moving anywhere else. But just in general, 
Um, I think it was very poorly handled by Manly. Yeah, agree. Absolutely agree. Whether there was an issue or not, it was pretty poor how he was how he was treated. And if the rumours are true that Cherry Evans peddled that around, and you know, it just adds more credence, I guess, to the opinions that are floating around about Cherry Evans at the moment as well. Yep. Knights extremely confident that they can lure Corey Norman for 2019. And as we spoke about before we came on earlier, and if anyone hasn't seen it. Uh, there's obviously the murmurs that we talked about that they were keen to move on. They gave him another breach notice. They're fine him. They're definitely trying to push him out the door. They're happy to let him go before June 30. And I got mail today that Manly had a sniff, but balked at his price. I don't know how they'd have any money anyway, considering their circumstances. And only just bringing in Hodkinson. I know Hastings went out the door, and he's they reckon he's on about 354. But Norman's not taking that much of a haircut. Parrish definitely not going to chip in 600,000 or so for him to move on. But Newcastle. Pearson Norman, I think he'd be better off with Newcastle than he would with the Gold Coast lifestyle-wise. I know they say that Newcastle uh, is not a bad place to have a beer, but would you say that combination working? I think that'd be... It'd work. Watson's purely a runner for me. I think Norman would be happy to play a little more second fiddle to someone like Pearce and probably work better off someone like Pearce than he would off Moses. And I think there'd be less ego involved in that situation. Uh, What I don't know, but if that is true and Newcastle can possibly get a crack at him next year for the right price, that's a pretty quality play to be picking up. Absolutely. Yeah. And the last one we've got here, the Bulldogs clean out, obviously, is not done yet, says Mr. Gossett. Morris Twins also looking at options from England. Said it at the start of the year, if you were a club, you wouldn't mind getting either of them at this point. I think they're playing good enough football for the right price. I think the problem for them is they want to stay together. They realise that may not be a possibility, and at most clubs, there's not many clubs that need a left-centre-left-wing you know, left combination or right-centre-right-wing combination. I'm pretty sure they play left-hand side, but... Um, on form before Brett got injured, he was one of the better players in the comp, as was Josh to start the year. Yeah. Their price tag on the contract they were given was what the Bulldogs gave him. Do I think a club would happily pick either of those couple of players up for three fifty four hundred thousand, considering their form and their experience? Hundred percent. But I definitely don't think they would be able to get a package deal somewhere like they did at the Bulldogs. So, um, for the Bulldogs side of things, theirs is all about freeing up at the moment. There's no doubt they'll be moving on. So, yeah. there you go, Mister Gossip <clears throat> and his mail there. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, and now into our tips. Obviously, no tips from last round of the rep stuff, but an update from the round before and the standings from there. I'm on 71, you are on 67, and Gossip is on 65. And we're about to get out of the origin period in a week or two and get on that home stretch, as we always do. So good time to hopefully pick up some points and try and keep things going. Uh, And yeah, with these tips and odds, obviously brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Look out for that package, half price, like we said. $99, the link's posted up the page, and those bonus bet offers that they put up from affiliates every week. I've joined a few of them. Brock's obviously a member of most of them already, as a lot of punters are out there, but they're going to continue to try and provide different uh, you know, bookies for you like they did with Palmer Bet on the weekend. $50 deposit on the weekend would have got you 150 bonus bet, which is pretty bloody good value yeah, in my opinion. So first game to kick off <clears throat> round 16 is the Dragons versus the Eels. Obviously the short turnaround for the Dragons who are heavily affected. Uh, the Eels obviously had a couple of guys play in the rep round in general. So Manu Ma'u, is out for them. He had a fractured eye socket or a cheek out of that game. Murata Niakore moves to start in the back row in his absence. Mitchell Moses is back in the halves. Clint Gutherson moves back to fullback for that reason. Bevan French to the wing. And CSCR Vave starts in the front row over uh, Tim Manor, who moves back to the bench. For the Dragons side of things, Jack DeBellin, he's been named to play despite the hip, as has Paul Vaughan. Tarek Sims back in there after being in camp. Ben Hunt as well. The only change for them is uh, Tyson Frizzell, who, as I said, he's played busted for most of the year. He's been needled up. He had a big game again the other night. So Jacob Host starts in his place, and Luciano Leilua comes on the bench. Despite those changes and a bit of the freshen up, 
Uh, Parra's been awful in the middle of the field, so with that alone, I'd be happy enough to stick with the Dragons. Dragons, my friend. Yep. Mr. Gossip, he agrees with us there. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.30 for the Dragons, three sixty for the Paramount Eels. Nine and a half is the line. One to twelve Dragons, three dollars four seventy five. Para thirteen plus Dragons, two twenty five. Nine dollars for Parramatta. Warriors Cronulla. Now this is a bit of an awkward one with Wade Graham now being out with a fractured cheekbone, and Luke Lewis as well. I'm pretty sure still missing for this one with his issue. I think it was the calf he had the other week. Aaron Woods has been added to the bench there. They had to pull Scott Sorensen out of the residence game. He was the captain because they knew they were going to be playing this game, so he's come in along with Kurt Catewell to fill. The back row spots, Valentine Holmes is going to back up, as will Matt Pryor. Don't think they'll have a big issue with the minutes from the weekend. For the Warriors side of things, Stephen Kearney, he wanted to rest Hiku, Luke, Marmola, etc. And he is going to likely have to do that, given the fact that they've played. David Fusitua is back on the wing. Sheck's back in. Anthony Gelling moves into the centers. Gerard Beal on a wing. Johnson in the halves. Garvey, Carl Lawton fills in at nine. So there's a few changes there for them and Mannering starting. They're a bit weaker on the bench for this change. This is a real awkward one, and I would have liked the Warriors at home if they had not such a heavy representation. But the fact that Woods comes over pretty fresh from a break, and I think Sorensen and Catewell are pretty solid, I think the Sharks would be able to grind out an ugly win. Sharks, man, yeah. It's, I'd love to tip New Zealand, but as yeah. you said, the conjecture about players coming back. Without Luke, that's huge. It's yeah. huge without Luke. I know I said that Johnson was a key factor in getting him and Sheck back, but everything starts at nine with them. And they need all those guys on the field at the same time. If a few of those guys back up, you know, that's all well and good. But Gelling in the centres, Mannering playing start. The bench is a little bit weaker because of the international representation. Uh, it is at home, so it is all right for them, but it's still a big ask mm-hmm. to change everything. But Mr. Gossip, he's gone the Warriors, and they are the favourites with the Pro, uh, the pro Sports Syndicate. $1.88, $1.93 for the Sharks, minus one, the line. One to 12 Warriors, 310, 320 Sharks, 13 plus Warriors, 425, 450 for the Storm Roosters, another one that's a bit awkward, both heavily represented in this round via Origin and the New Zealand setup. Uh, Nelson, a soft Solomon's name for Melbourne, but Craig Bellamy pretty angry the other day that the flight was cancelled and about the mid-year kind of fixture being over there. He doesn't know if he's going to be back. Bromwich is still injured, obviously. So is Dale Finucane. So they're missing three of their key middles straight away in that sense. Billy Slade has been named to back up. I highly doubt he will. Surely you don't play him after he's had six weeks off and played Origin. Will Chambers, Munster... Addo Carr apparently all have niggles and they're not too sure, along with Felice, but they're all named at the moment. Uh, it's hard for me to kind of lean on that, but on the Rooster side of things, all their players have been named to back up besides Boyd Corner with that knockout. So they're starting Radley and Nat Butcher in the back row. Jared Ray Hargrave's in the reserves as well with the delayed flight. So this would have been a cracker game. It's pretty poor timing to have this one, unfortunately, given the circumstances. Mm. Smith, Slater possibly against Cronk if Slater obviously plays. Former teammates, bit of a... Link there, but this is a hard one to tip given the rep effect. Absolutely, yeah, so, really, really tough. Mr. Gossip has gone the Roosters. How are you feeling on this one? I'm going to go the Roosters, but again, hard. Very, very difficult round, this one. Well, I'm looking at their Ford pack, uh, even with a bit of a rep effect, but Tokiaho, Napa, Radley, Butcher, Liu, I'm a pretty big fan of that. Uh, the bench a little bit lighter this week, given the circumstances. I'm looking at Melbourne and thinking, if Nelson doesn't play, you've already got Glasby starting in the front row, Welch on the bench. Jerome Hughes-Smith, uh, it's it's a pretty big ask. I was leaning towards the Storm because of Cameron Smith having not played in the rep round, but I'm looking at the forward pack and a bit worried if Nelson and Felice and that don't pull up right. So I had the Storm written down, but I'm going to change my mind to the Roosters the more I look at it. and uh, I'm, I'm a bit worried if we play Billy. Um, I, that's just me. After six weeks, 
good game the other night, I wouldn't be making him back up and travel again. Mm. That's just my opinion. Um, and now that the series is over again, I'd probably give him a rest for this game because it's a hard slog after already what has been a hard game. So 220 outsiders with the Pro Sports Syndicate are the Roosters. $1.68 for the Storm. Two and a half is the line. One to 12 Roosters, 330, 280 for the Storm. 13 plus for the Roosters, $6.375 for the Storm. Panthers versus Manly uh, on this one. The Panthers, their origin players have been named to back up along with their test players. James Tarmel will start now that RCG is out. Moses Leota returns from the pec injury he had. Vili Army Kikau returns and Harawira Naira is out with a groin injury on the Manly side of things. Dylan Walker returns this week. He's been named at 5'8", and Hodkinson benched. Uate is obviously out for the season with that ankle injury. So Brad Parker returns on the wing. And now, obviously, with um, Jackson Hastings being moved on, Manisi Fanu has been named to make his debut. So clearly, he's been upgraded or been given clearance to come into the side. But mm. regardless of those changes, Penrith at home, Kikau back in, Tarmau, you've got a former origin and an international representative to replace someone else. And... Moses Slater to come back on the bench to join Hetherington, Ellis, and Egan. I'll be sticking with the Panthers. Yeah, Panthers. And uh, no surprises there. And Mr. Gossip, he's on board with the pennies as well. You'd think they'd have too much in the middle of the park and on the edges, plus the pair of halves off the Origin campaign. Back to focusing on club football. They are a dollar twenty-eight favorite with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Three eighty for Manly, minus ten the line. One to twelve Penrith, three dollars, five dollars Manly. Thirteen plus Penrith, two ten, eleven dollars for Manly. Newcastle versus the Dogs. Well. I'd hate to say it's a no-brainer which way to tip in this one, but Newcastle, Ponga back off the high. The only change they've got is Fitzgibbon. He's obviously injured from the last round. Oh, sorry, suspended from the last round, so Sam Stone starts in the back row there. They weren't affected basically at all besides Ponga during the rep period. For the Bulldogs this week, obviously, Aaron Woods has moved on. Moses and Bai has moved on. Uh, you know, Kieran Foran's been ruled out for the season, so they've got some changes there. Carrot Holland moves into the centres, as does... Marcelo Montoya, Ramos Smith holds his spot on the wing. Brett Morris returns. Lachlan Lewis gets a debut in the halves, uh, along with Jeremy Marshall King. Off for Hickey, Ogden also gets a debut on the bench. He played in the residence team. They got him from the Warriors last year over. So a couple of the debutants rolling over things, given some players that have gone out the door for their Bulldogs. But it's in Newcastle. Uh, I see no other way to tip this game other than the Knights. Knights. So... Hard one. Hopefully the Bulldogs show more effort than the last game they did at Belmore. You would have thought they would have turned up and fired up for that one. But, yeah, it was definitely ugly. But the Pro Sports Syndicate, it is $1.50 for the Knights. Two sixty-two for the Dogs. Minus six is a line. One to 12 for the Knights. $3, $4 for the Dogs. 13 plus for the Knights. Two eighty, six fifty for the Dogs. One of the games of the round, the one I'm most looking forward to, just because I think there's enough rest and uh, all players on board. The Broncos versus Canberra. Basically season-defining for the Raiders and also for the Broncos to kind of try and push away and hold on to that spot. And on their side of things, they have only one change from their last start. Tom Opachak moves in to replace Tagatizi. All their origin players and test players are backing up. And Tavita Pengai, he had that rib injury the other week. Obviously, the week off has done him some good. He's back in the side there, so they've got a pretty solid lineup named. On the Raiders' side of things, Hodgson's obviously back in starting at nine. Junior Paulo, they get back on the bench. Joe Tapine, Elliot Whitehead obviously played overseas. Uh, but Topine, I'm sure he'd be back by now. And Papali only played minimal minutes. So because their season's on the line, I see another way I'm going to roll the dice on the Raiders here. Yeah, I'll go the Raiders as well. i just got to stick with him based on what I saw from Josh Hodgson. But Brisbane at home is going to be very, very difficult. This is a critical... This is probably... Yeah, I just think Canberra's probably got more to play for. They're less 
um, affected by origin. I agree with you there. And that the outsiders at two dollars thirty, the Raiders, so a bit of value there. The Brisbane Broncos, a dollar sixty-two minus three and a half is the line with a pro sports syndicate. One to twelve, three fifteen for the Broncos, four dollars for the Raiders, thirteen plus two ninety for the Broncos, five fifty for the Raiders. Another critical game as far as the Tigers are concerned to try and kickstart their season. Some good mid-season moves, bringing in some help in the spine. Moses and Bly gives them a threat on both sides of the field to link in with and a running threat. Robbie Farrar addresses a massive issue they've had in the middle of the field with no creativity, a better defender out of dummy half and somebody can help out in the kicking game. Mm-hmm. Will that click first week? Uh, they've had a little bit extra time to train. I don't know. The Titans were very impressive last start up. Uh, Ash Taylor obviously be looking for a big game with murmurs around his name. Ryan James be looking to stamp his seal on things again to try and get an origin run. Jai Arrow and Wallace should be hurting, I assume, after origin. So I reckon this is a really tough one, but those two new players in, as much as I think things might be clunky, they have to be more motivated than the Titans. And it's at Leichhardt, season on the line again, to stay in touch. I'm going to tip the Tigers. Yeah, Tigers. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if this one's a close one, but yeah, I just, just got to think out of the few flops in the last few performances and looking a bit tired, new players in, a bit more spark to things. If you can't get up for this week, well, then their season's basically almost over. Yeah. Uh, and the Titans, they are $2.60 outsiders, so a bit of value there. I think that's a pretty nice start as well. West Tigers, $1.50 from the Pro Sports Syndicate. Minus six is the line. One to 12 Tigers, $3. $3.85 the Titans. 13 plus Tigers, two eighty six fifty for the Titans. And the last game of the round, South Sydney. You get a nice long turnaround there after a heavy effect from the English Test match as well as State of Origin. The Cowboys, uh, they've got a couple of changes. Obviously, Morgan out for the season. So Lachlan Coote comes back into the side. Matt Scott's back. From a neck injury in good timing because Sam Hall's out for the rest of the season with his injury. Antonio Winnerstein recalled. Javid Bowen dropped out. South, they've named the three Burgesses after the England Test match. Campbell Graham comes back in on the wing as their only other change. Cook backing up, as is Crichton, uh, Gagai, and Inglis. You have to tip South, given what you've seen. South, my friend. Um, yeah, I think for the Cowboys. Barlow Park, they always put on a good performance at Barlow Park too. The, um, it's been a good game the last few years. I think the Cowboys have had the better rub of the green, but this time around, I think it may be a different story. Mm. Fast track, nice and dry. That big four. No, I just pack. mean like the game is yeah. usually good. You know? Big four, like you said, the warm weather, it's generally a nice dry track, fast game of football. But looking at the, the Rabbitohs this year, if they get the roll on early on with a dry game, a fast track, Damian Cook, I think, and a couple of these blokes, Johnson will absolutely wreak havoc if the three Burgess boys carve up the Cowboys middle. And let's be honest, they've really struggled to defend the middle third this year. Uh, especially laterally, and a couple of those blokes are just looking real old. Yeah. So poor old Cowboys. We've all gone the clean sweep here. Gossip is also tipping South Sydney and the odds with the Pro Sports Syndicate. A dollar thirty for South North Queensland three sixty minus nine and a half the line one to twelve South three dollars four seventy five for the Cowboys thirteen plus South two twenty five and nine dollars for the Cowboys. And that's round sixteen as far as the tips are concerned. The Premiership market. One thing we haven't really looked at this year much is the futures, and there's a log jam obviously at the top there now with a lot of those teams, given they've all beaten each other. South at five dollars are the favourite for the Premiership. St George five fifty, the Roosters five fifty, Melbourne at six fifty, and Penrith probably your value given their form at seven dollars. Outside of that, you got the Warriors at ten fifteen for Cronulla, Brisbane at seventeen. I, I can't go much further back than probably Cronulla at fifteen, but even Cronulla and Brisbane, I'm not convinced they can win the comp. The Warriors at ten, I couldn't take. I think the best value out of those sides that have all beaten each other would be Penrith at seven. But uh, given what the Roosters have shown right now and South, they're probably the two that I'd be looking at betting on. Mm. Probably the Roosters at five fifty, to be honest. I like South, but 
Yeah, those four teams, I couldn't split them. Minor Premier's market, hard to pick. you got injuries. There's still another game of origin. I haven't looked at the draw, but Dragons are the favourite here at $3. South, three fifty, And then outside of that, it's got the Roosters and Melbourne. They're both at six fifty. How far off the pace of the Roosters now? A win or two? I think they're only a win yeah, away, aren't they? Far. Given I know they've got a heavy toll, if they, I don't know what their draw is looking like. At six fifty, I'd be willing to have a crack at that, especially if they play South or the Dragons again. I know they've got the Dragons coming up, so if they take a win off them there, those odds will flip over pretty yeah. quickly. So that's probably the value bet there, I think. Penrith as well, I don't know what their draw looks like, but at $7, they're probably your two outsiders for a bit of value. To make the grand final... If you they play? Penrith played mainly twice between now and the end of the year. Well, so. there you go. To make the grand final, mm. picking one team right now, who do you think is in the grand final? If you had to, to pick To make one. the grand final right now, if I had to pick one team? Yeah. Oh, man. Tough this year. Uh, well, you don't know how it's going to fall in the finals format. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I'd say Souths. Well, Souths are the favourite at two fifty. The Dragons two seventy five. The Roosters two seventy five. Melbourne three twenty five. Penrith three fifty. I'd like the Roosters at two seventy five if I had to pick a team out the grand final, mm. depending on what they dish up this weekend. But uh, a bit of value outside that. Penrith probably at three fifty. But Cronulla, Brisbane, if you like a sneaky one on the outside there, seven and nine dollars. Canberra catch fire at twenty one dollars. I, I highly still can't see it with the halves they've got. I think Hodgson will make a huge difference, but a grand final I think is a big stretch. Uh, top four, most of that market pretty much settled here as far as the betting value you'll get. Dollar eighteen for Souths, uh, twenty two. Sorry for Souths. Dollar eighteen the Dragons. Dollar fifty five Melbourne. See that one there. I'm not really big on Melbourne are outside of it right now. Heavy effect. A couple of guys injured. I don't think I could take that. That's a bit short for me. Melbourne to dollar fifty five. Yeah. If you're looking at Penrith again, dollar seventy or Sydney, you got New Zealand there with no origin effect. They're probably your value there at two twenty five. Yeah. Considering they get a couple more games with teams that are more effective. Yeah, it's gonna be the top four as it is now. Well, the Warriors are in there, they'd be pretty hard <clears> from the full out. Top eight, I think your only team that looks likely to probably miss would be Brisbane if they lose this weekend. Uh so Canberra, your value and West Tigers to get into the top eight, three fifteen for the Tigers if you like them to make a run. If you like Cameron to make a run. $2.35. To miss the top eight, like we said, Brisbane probably your most likely out of those teams in the eight now. Yeah. They're $3 if you think they can drop. If you think Cronulla could fall apart, which I don't see, uh, they're four fifty. but Brisbane's probably your value there. Wooden spoon market. Dogs or eels, do you think, at this point in time? I think the dogs now that they've been shut down and lost a few players are in big trouble of getting it. Dogs. So they are the $2.60 favorite. Para 275 Manly, I can't see at $5. They've found some wins, lost some games, but they've got a couple of marquee players or better players in their side to win a couple of games at least. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys at $8, same deal. I think they'll jag another win or two, but the Dogs at two sixty. sorry for their fans, but it's not looking too good at the moment, that's What's for sure. Not? No, it's absolutely not. Top New South Wales team the last few hasn't been too hard to pick. This year, it, it is very hard to pick. You've got Dragons and South, 260 275 Then you've got the Roosters and Penner at $5, 550 Again, the Roosters at $5 coming up playing against a few of these teams, that's a bet I'd be willing to have yeah. to be the top Sydney team. Top Queensland team is an A-brainer. It's Brisbane at the moment, and they're the only one who looks like they're going to be in the finals or finish, they're definitely going to finish higher than the other two, so uh, that's a no-brainer. Winning region. Now, Queensland's out of it. New South Wales, $1.35, but Raiders, Storm, and Warriors, if the Raiders catch fire, if Melbourne can find something the Warriors can get in, you got three chances at $3.50. Yeah. I don't think I'd have a bet on it, but that's the only value you're going to find there, I guess. Uh, and Quinella's for the grand final. If it was going off what you've seen so far, I, I'd, I'd be thinking Souths and the Roosters, if the Roosters build on that form against Penner. If you get $9 there, 
If you think Penrith Roosters, rematch of 03, $11. South versus the Dragons, $9. Melbourne, South Sydney, $11. Uh, Roosters, Dragons, the Anzac Classic Clash in the Grand Final, $11. Rematch of uh, 2010. Storm Dragons, 11. Penrith Souths, 11. Penrith St. George, 11. Uh, Melbourne and the Roosters, 13. Melbourne and Penrith, 13. They're probably your likely combinations looking at those kind of teams you're seeing right now. But um, yeah, some futures. I haven't really had a good look at the futures market this year just because we've been so caught up in everything. But there's, there's not a whole lot of value because most things are pretty pretty set in stone, wouldn't you say? Yeah, they are. So definitely. I think the Dallium market is one that a lot of people have been talking about. Obviously, Callum Ponga and Maloney, as I said, were two of the ones closer when the market went silent. Callum Ponga at three fifty is the favourite. James Maloney at six dollars. Gareth Widop at seven. I don't. I got to look at their draw on the way in. I think Widop would be a good chance if they win some games. Or Maloney at six. Ponga at three fifty. I like, but I don't know if they're going to win enough games for him to keep polling. So if I was going to pick one, I'd be looking at the draw. If you're a punter out there of the Panthers and the Dragons and saying he's got a better run, six or seven dollars for Widop and Maloney is pretty good. Two of us are Sheck's not bad value either. Seventeen to one. Well, he was pretty right up there. He wins. They're three points most of the time. I know it's a slash out there, but if you got a tenner, I'd chuck a tenner on Cameron Smith. If they win a couple of games, he'll pull threes. I don't know what he finished on when it went silent. I'd have to have a look, and if you're out there, look that up. But 21 bucks, that's worth a tenner to me, depending on their draw. Because mm. you know if they win a game, he's generally going to be the three of the two, especially this year. Yeah, He's a much bigger factor than he has been in the past in that area, that's for sure. It's uh, yeah, Player markets for points. That's basically settled. Well, it's not settled, but a 15-point lead for Whitop, and he's been a bit quieter lately. He's $1.70. Jared Croak is really the only other shout of catch him at three fifty. Latrell's out at 7 as is Azarko, but I think Croker is probably the only other chance there. Top try scorer is heated up. Fussy Tua had the lead at uh, 15, and then he had a week off. Addo Carr scored a bag. He's on 325 and the favorite now. Robert Jennings is the one I want at $5. He's still a couple away, but that left edge gets all the attention. They've got a pretty good draw coming up. I think uh, Robert Jennings at $5 is good value. I had felt at the start of the year, as did you, I think. Yeah. He's only three off the pace or four off the pace, but I don't see enough tries coming for North Queensland for him. So, No, imagine if they were in good form. We had him at 26 at the start of the year. He's now into 13. I got offered a cash out for my money back. I was just going to roll it into Robert Jennings and hope that South keep firing that left edge. Okay. But Val Holmes at 550. He's had some good form, but at fullback, he's not going to get as many as he does right now. I think he's had a good streak. Uh, Suley, 26 too far out. Kotrick at 17 if Canberra catch fire. He could streak a few together. Yeah, um, but yeah, you pick it a lot there. I'd probably assume Jennings being a couple of dollars further back. But if you think Melbourne are going to come home with a wet sale, three twenty-five at O'Car. He's been healthy his whole career so far. Fushi two has been in and out. There's some value, but mm. there you go. A couple of uh, futures markets there addressing a few bits and pieces, and I think you might want to look at <clears throat> on that side of things. Uh, and another massive show box head. Big show, my friend. But two there you hours. Go. Origin, all the rep round, women's game, fan questions. Preview of the upcoming round, tips, and all this kind of bits and pieces. All thanks to you, uh, the fans out there, for being on board with the show, listening and supporting, as always. Massive thanks to Penrith Solar Center. Get on board with the boys there if you're looking to save on your power bills and move with the future. The P&Bolt Bolt Master, www.nepbolt.com.au. If you're a tradesman like myself, you can get all your tools, needs, and bits and pieces uh, from them. And then the Pro Sports Syndicate, obviously, the charity bet. Massive thanks to Matt, Will, and the boys for supporting us there. The betting package, they caught fire for a month there, racked up a big profit. One down week, but they'll be back on board and firing all cylinders this week. $99 half price your first month uh, after that. If you don't get a profit for that month, you get the next month free. No locking contracts, cancel any time you want. 
Look out for those affiliate links as well for the bonus bets. And the last two here, just our charity sponsors from uh, the luncheon we did at the Pioneer, fullspectrumservices.com.au, Western Sydney's leaders in pest control, pool fence certification and commercial cleaning. Their service is diverse, but core values rock solid. Amazing people, fantastic service and brilliant outcomes. Contact Mark and the team on 0430220263, Facebook and the website, fullspectrumservices.com.au and Insignia Hair and Day Spa, 47223503, Penrith York Road, number 14 of 69 unit there. Award-winning hairdressers, their day spa, beauty salon, massage and nail parlor. Want to spoil yourself and look no further. Insignia has all bases covered for men and for women. Treat yourself or your partner for the works and be spoiled by the team at Insignia. They cover every aspect of beauty and relaxation. Bet they do. Well, big show uh, as always. And back to the reality of club football. A couple of big games this weekend. Plenty of rep effect. Let's see who's got a hangover. Let's see if some of those Queenslanders go back and fire at club and we'll see if any of the New South Wales players have a bit of a hangover from the happiness they experienced the other night. But the Origin Series is over. Game three, no doubt they will have plenty of spite and plenty of implications for the future uh, moving into 2019. But the focus now for us, obviously, more so back on the NRL season. Who will kick on at the back end here and move towards the finals and take charge? Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.